Yo, is the mic on, Mike? And turn that mic on, Mike, and pour us another one. Let's do it right, though, Mike. We feeling nice, though, Mike. Gather round, gather round. And turn that mic on, Mike. And turn that mic on, Mike. Yeah, Garage drinks with Mike. Darren Kamali. Hey, man, thank you for coming. Yes, I know. Thanks for having me, brother. It's very <laughs> cold in my garage today. It's in the middle of winter. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as your perio requests, a bit of Pinot Noir should oh, warm yeah. us up. Cheers, man. Cheers, brother. Thank you, bro. <sighs> Not bad, That's eh? Nice. Thanks, bro. Nice and warm. Thank you so much for coming out. Yeah. Coming out to the south side. <laughs> You've bought me a gift here. Um, Vunimako, Vunimango and me? Yes, Vunimango and me, yeah. This is, talk to me about this. Uh, this is a collection wow. of uh, memoir poems, bro. I just uh, launched uh, my third publication of poetry. So I write poems and stuff. And uh, yeah, that was uh, launched in April by Carver Bowl Media. And um, yeah, so, yeah, it's been fresh on the market. So it's at uh, Unity Bookstores at the moment. And I'm doing like a poem every day for VT, uh, going through the uh, COVID stuff at the moment. I've seen that. I've seen that online. Yeah, so I'm up to my uh, 32nd, uh, 33rd day uh, today as well. So, uh, yeah, and I'm just, just doing this support to VT. And yeah, since the book is not back home, so um, they can always look online and s some of the poems are there live. Ah, right. Yeah. So you do a poem every day? Yeah, from the book. So from the book. So yeah. how many poems are in there's the book? There's about 41 poems there. 41 poems so in the book. I'm up to 33 at the moment. Ah. So, uh, yeah, once they just uh, sort of scroll through my, uh, all those days, they could always just touch on different poems. And uh, It's, it's about, beautiful. Yeah, it's about growing up in Fiji, brother. 17 years there before coming to Aotearoa, New Zealand. So uh, You and me both? Yes. Yeah, so 17 years in Tonga? Yeah, yeah. I ah. thought so, yeah. So, um, similar thing. Yes. And I went to Wellington and uh, did seventh form there. Yeah. And then I moved up to Auckland. I'm just going to move this a little bit closer to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, just, do you want to just move it just a little yeah, bit closer? Oh, of course. There you go. Ah, so you did 17 years in Fiji. In Fiji, brother. Yeah. So, probably like you. Very, so, very similar. Yeah. yeah. Why New Zealand? Mum worked here, actually, bro. Um at least seven years before I could come yeah yeah, because of the um, you know the political <laughs> stance of Fiji and Aotearoa uh, but yeah the political stance of Fiji and Aotearoa yeah in terms of uh, migration and stuff like that I guess it's easier for other islands to come here well it's probably easier now for Fiji to come here but back in the uh, 90s early 90s when I first came is that right yeah so it was still very fresh about um what is happening in Fiji too. So mom worked here and that's how I was put through school. This is to do with, sorry, this is to do with, this is to do with the coups that were happening. Yes, at the time. At the time. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, my granddad, just, uh, we, we grew up in the barracks yes. uh, in Fiji. So my granddad was a soldier in the Fiji military forces. And uh, yeah, that's how we sort of came to stay in the barracks. And most of the Vunimango in me is uh, uh, the mango tree outside the barracks. Right. And um, yeah. Sort of like to um, sort of try to take the voice as well of the Vunimango, telling stories, you know. Vunimango, uh, that's um, mango and mango Fiji. tree. Yeah. Mango tree. Yeah. So Vunimango and me is uh, mango tree and me, and that's a mango tree collection. So um, memoir poems, eh, bro? you know. So like um, characters that stood out for me, even like Harry the grass cutter, who you know goes every day, cuts the grass, and you know makes his money out of that, and put his uh, children through school and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Another guy who goes and drinks kava, catches the first bus into town and catches the last bus home, you know. Um, 
and even the dog, the wild dog, Aki, you know, who bites everyone. And, you know, he's our family dog, but I'm scared of him as well. <laughs> this guy, man. this dog, man. Yeah, so just just things like that. Who's, that are these true me. characters? True characters that you grew up with, or they or they are characters that you created? No, they are actually uh, are actual people. Yeah, from the barracks. So there's like 40 barracks on top of the hilltops of uh, Tumbo Street, and uh, my our one was 27 Tumbo Street. So 27 features quite a bit in the book as well. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. My grandfather was very militant, uh, and he was a spokesperson for. So the my, the name Kamali Kamali Eli is uh, actually uh, Fortuna Wallace and Fortuna. So um, yeah, we uh, my great grandparents eloped from there to Fiji about four or five generations ago. Early Is 1900s, that right? and uh, that's how we come to stay there in the old capital of Levuka. Oh my god, that's a story in itself. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Your great grandparents eloped from Wallace and Fortuna into Fiji. Into Fiji, into uh, Levuka, the old capital, and uh, worked on the copra plantations there. And my grandfather was born there, and then mum was born on the mainland, and, and myself. And then from mum's uh, home, mom's side. Um, did their parents not agree with them getting together? Their families not agree with um, them being together? Yeah, different hierarchy, bro. Uh, my great grandmother was different from, social classes. Yes, so my great grandmother from Ovea, Fale uh, Lavaki, Catalina, they were from a sort of uh, chiefly side. And then uh, Kamalieli Taisi, my great grandfather, was from uh, Futuna. He was a canoe builder. Okay. So uh, they, they couldn't get married in uh, Wallace and Fortuna, so they yeah, sort of eloped to Fiji. Wow. And that's how we come to stay there too. And, and most of the Kamalis in Fiji, well, all the Kamalis are, are over in Futuna. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, so it's from my dad's side, the Fiji is the Fijian connection. Mm. And then mom's mom's side is the, the Samoan connection as well because of uh, her mom coming from Samoa to Fiji right, and uh, to study there and also met my great-grandfather who was from uh, who was Scottish who was building in the you're colonial. a mixture <laughs> brother. you're a real so mixture full mix yeah, so, um, yeah and grew up in Suva and very militant my granddad a uh, cultural person and also very Catholic so those three elements really grew us up and yeah so it's very mixed uh, yeah growing up there too um, uh, so when you're growing up in Fiji, what languages? What language do you speak? Obviously, you speak English. Yeah. But what other languages were taught? To uh, Fijian. Yeah, there's Indian schools there too. Yeah. So some people speak Indian, and um, yeah, there's Rotuman because it's under Rotuma, Fijian Rotuma. Um, yeah, but I get the gist of a little bit of a uh, few of them. But uh, Fijian was uh, taught as well at school, and then we used to yeah play with all the Fijian kids in the neighborhood as well. So uh, yeah, so mainly we speak the Bowen dialect which is the common dialect of Fiji because there's over 300 dialects yeah. in Fiji. So the common dialect that we speak is the Bowen dialect. Bowen, how do you uh, spell that? B-A-U. B-A-U, Bowen yeah. dialect. So it was an island there and uh, the chief, the Ratu, was uh, Thakumbau. So he was a warrior back in the day. And that's how they connected with Maafu and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we speak that common language, uh, and I guess, yeah. But different villages have different sort of... Uh, different languages have different dialects. Yeah, the dialects. So they even, like some will take out, take out the K. Mm. So you'll have Vina'a instead of Vinaka, you know, kind of stuff like that. Silent know. K. Yeah, so silent K. Or even a W, like Vinakwa. You know, wow. different... You know, no, wah, wah, you can hear all that kind of yeah. sort of dialects. I guess, yeah. I guess when you go t- towards Melanesia more, there's more, yeah? Yeah. Sort of that kind of thing happening. Yeah. And, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's interesting growing up in Fiji. And, yeah, and tell me about that. Did you enjoy growing yeah. up in Fiji? Oh man, it was awesome fun, bro. Um, yeah, uh, eight years at Mara's Brother School, and I went to Chinese high school. Yet in secondary. A school. Chinese high school. Yeah, bro. So um, there's a lot of Chinese in Fiji as well, 
um, and those guys they could speak all Indian, Fijian, Fijian Rutuman, you know, so, English, right. Chinese. But these guys are, they wake up in the morning, they go to the markets as well, you know, same as the, uh, the other islands. And uh, yeah, very um, business like people and mm. selling their crops and all first thing in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, the Asians are like that across, I think, the whole Pacific. They're very um, That's really. business orientated and very, yeah. um, very. Hustlers, man. Yeah. Hustlers. Even when I went to Tonga, I mean, they're speaking to you in Tongan as well. Yeah, eh? yeah. They're very good with the language and uh, they know how to do business. They know what to cook, you know, for us as well. They still <laughs> do here in South Auckland. This is amazing, eh? A lot yeah. of the um, island um, takeaways and stuff is uh, run by Asians. They know how to cater for us, eh, bro? Yeah. yeah. Well, they know how to make money. That's right. You know? That's a, yeah. That's a main thing, too. Yeah. And so, um, so your upbringing in Fiji, um, did you enjoy your teenage years? Yeah, bro, it was fun, man. I mean, I guess I enjoyed it too much. Eh? <laughs> and my grandparents was like, okay, it's time to go to your mom, bro. <laughs> you had enough time here in Fiji. <laughs> Getting out of control, you better go. So you stayed with your grandparents over in Fiji? So my grandparents pretty much brought most of us up, myself and my uh, cousins, my first cousins. Right. So I grew up with seven of my sisters from my mom's, uh, my mom's daughters. So seven, you got seven sisters? Seven sisters. So they're around the world now. Right. But uh, yeah, we all grew up together. Um, because uh, all of us were like fatherless, you know, <laughs> and our grandparents were like the stable household and um, they were the ones who held us together. And so mom worked overseas and that's how, you know, I was put through school and stuff like that. Otherwise, yeah, I would have probably be the same thing as my granddad, joined the army and because um, most of them go to England as well, go to the British army. Because there's uh, that link between um, yeah. the Fijian military and the English military, and isn't the English, there? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, most of them are there. I think there's over 5,000 Fijians in the, in the British right? Army at the moment and uh, peacekeeping as well, different parts of the world. And, yeah. Did you ever have any um, inkling or any part of you that wanted to join the army? Um, I guess when I was growing up and seeing my uncle and my grandfather sure. wearing uniforms and you know carrying guns and uh, you know those uh, M16s and stuff, I was like, oh, wow. Especially during the coup in 87, I was 12 years old, so you know, wherever you went, there were soldiers everywhere. And um, sort of felt like, oh, yeah, they got the power, you know, they had the gun. And yeah, so I thought, well, yeah, maybe that'll be a way to go. And, I mean, there's always an option. And a few of my cousins from the barracks has gone, become soldiers as well. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, until I came, and then mom didn't want me to do that as well. Okay. So, uh, okay. yeah, she wanted to get me out of the barracks, but not to join the army or anything, just mainly come to New Zealand. Mm. And that's how I ended up here in Wellington. And, uh, 92 to 94 and then I moved up to Auckland and, mm. and that's where I sort of start, started the arts and stuff yeah mm. yeah. it's fascinating a lot of um, a lot of my school a lot of my classmates from um, Tonga um, ended up joining the military and not just for Tonga um, some of them because after 6th form in Tonga at the time there was no 7th form yeah everyone pretty much just goes across the world and some right. to New Zealand some to Australia some to America yeah. all the way across and so I got some of my old classmates that have um, done um, tours in Af Afghanistan, Iraq, for the US military. Um, yeah. pre pretty crazy. And some of them were in the US Navy. Yeah. Uh, I know a guy that was a year below me at Tonga High School, it's Tongan. He ended up joining um, the UK military and becoming a sniper in the Green Berets. Yes, yeah. So most of crazy, them are like, right? yeah, crazy special forces and, yeah. and people are talented, man. Oh man, you hear some good stories, you know. I mean, yeah. most of the guys I grew up with, they went to Sinai, Lebanon, even my uncle. Um, yeah, most of those places for a year. They go a year at a time doing peacekeeping, and so that was like a sort of uh, the, the the norm, eh? 
mm. all the boys in the the barracks wanted to grow up in okay you know I want to go to Sinai and Lebanon and because of the stories as well and mm. stuff like that yeah but even now my uncle's still still in the army still in the Fiji military forces he's been there for over 40 years eh? wow yeah he's been everywhere even Baghdad and you know yeah. Dan is a, like a private bodyguard as well sometimes you know uh, just some way to get their money too and you know yeah but yeah so much happening at home uh, yeah, home. yeah yeah I remember that. I remember growing up in Tonga and always knowing that, you know, that Fiji was just different. Fiji's political um stance, yeah. was always quite different and the, and I remember um what was the name of the first guy that did the first coup? Hey, Rambuka. Rambuka. Yeah, Sitiveni Rambuka. Rambuka. My grandfather was working for him actually. Mm. My grandfather had retired. I wrote it in the book as well. He had retired, but he was called back in 1987 and that's when I was like 12 years old as well and um yeah, and He was uh, in the military intelligence for Rambuka, uh, so writing reports and stuff. So subconsciously, I think that's where the writing came in for me because my granddad had the only typewriter in the barracks. Right. So all I could hear was in the back house every crack, evening, crack, crack. you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and until I come to New Zealand, then I start to realize, oh, shucks, you know. Actually, my granddad triggered that, but he wasn't a poet. He was more of a reporter, sort mm. of, you know, military intelligence kind of, kind of dude. Oh, he might have been writing those real descriptive reports. Oh, <laughs> he, he used to write a lot of letters to me actually when I first okay. came, you know, there was no emails or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, back in the, like 91, 92, he yeah. would write to me and, you know. Yeah. Oh, he was yeah, a very deep guy, and, yeah. you know, um, yeah, very um sort of stern and uh and you know like a uh, Christian as well and and, yeah. and culture. Eh? So very um yeah. But quite a strong father figure as well. I yeah, so he was like my dad. He was my dad yeah. uh, because he brought me up actually. Yeah, um, brought all of us up with my sisters as well, my seven sisters and a couple of other cousins who's in Australia. Yeah. So we were we all all over the world, like you know your family as well. And uh, yeah, but yeah, it's been uh, been good teaching. My grandma just passed away two years ago now. Okay. Her anniversary is actually tomorrow. Her, her passing. Yeah. So I, I dedicated the book to both of them. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah. Sort of did it for my master's degree writing. Mm. I, I wrote a draft. It's been published that. really well. I like the um, the pictures and all the artwork that's gone into awesome. all the pages yeah. as well. Yeah, that was done by uh, Kavabol uh, Demon. Kavabol. Ah, yes, yes, and, uh, yes. John Tapu. Yep. Yeah. So um, yeah. What a great gift, man! Thank yeah. you so much. I really appreciate no it. No worries, bro. You're most welcome, man. Yeah, I've been admiring your show as well <laughs> online. I've been watching it as oh, thank you, yeah. mucking around in my garage. Yeah, and keeping it real. I mean, you know, having the wine or whatever. Yeah, I well, it's, it's not really real having one of these in a garage. But <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Isn't that's it? my wife. That's my wife wanting it to look oh, civilized. That's awesome, man. I have to get one of those too, <laughs> so it can look civilized. Because you know, normally it'd be just probably a couple of coffee cups and a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, bro. <laughs> Cheers, brother. Yeah, so good having you here. Yeah, thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. Man. Um, just talking about Rambuka, I was thinking because is Fiji is still under um, Bainimarama, is that right? It's Bainimarama now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, Ferengi. What's that like? Like, I mean, you know, for us non-Fijians and what we don't know from what we see from the outside or from what we see from what the media portrays I don't know because sometimes yeah. I think like media is all yeah. shit man like they don't really they wouldn't really know what the real story is inside, inside yeah. so the only people that could probably really tell us is like actual Fijians what's it like because yeah. he's been running the country for a lot of years now a long time yeah since Spate eh? so that's yeah <laughs> 2001 2002 maybe yeah but uh, yeah it's really is hard, it a good thing or is it a bad thing uh, bro uh, you know 
myself, I get mixed feelings because I've been here 29 years, brother. You know, um, I, I don't stay at home, you know, too long. I go back for holidays and stuff. But knowing my family there as well, they, it's really it's hard for them as well, you know. Um, it's a different government, Fiji government, <laughs> I must say. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it'll be hard to take him out as well because, uh, you know, Fiji, we have our soldiers there and and we can put up coups if we, you know, if what happened to Samoa, if they had if they had soldiers, they could have done the same, you know, okay. Samoa, but because he didn't have soldiers, that's why the coup didn't work out uh, too well. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably Fiji's uh, uh, sort of politics behind... Uh, the coups that's happened in the past. Fiji's always had quite a strong military presence. Yeah, it's always been martial, mostly martial law as well. Yeah. Um, from way back, yeah. So um, why why is there? Why why can the people why can the people not decide? I I don't really know, my bro. I mean, I guess it started back in '87, and I was yeah. 12, eh? Yeah. So I was still trying to get my and head. And it's always been it. like that. Since, yeah. Hasn't so it? it's always been like for me. Yeah. I grew up in that sort of. Uh, style of uh, fashion of politics and um, yeah and it's just been like that for me growing up and then I come away and then it's still the same for our people back home and I think it's what almost 35 years now mm. we've had four coups mm. within that time um, and it's just gonna it's hard to see what's gonna happen you know? if anybody that's listening doesn't understand what a coup is a coup is like when one person in power Dictatorship, yeah. Dictatorship so, yeah. takes the military and overthrows yeah. whoever's currently in power. Yeah. So you don't have like now you don't have that freedom of speech and expression as well. And if you try and practice it in Fiji, and if it's not um, good enough for them, then uh, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be. Yeah, unfortunately, they'll cut it off, cut it down, and, and send you out of the country. And and most of our people from home, they're communicate people. They're not allowed back home. Um, I know people. Um, You're serious. It's not allowed back in Fiji as well. Yeah. Definitely, and Fijians as well. And these are people that would speak out and still, against and still, in power. And still picking, speaking out in, uh, in public and in uh, social media and, and stuff like that. So um, they are they're Is totally you banned. saying anything like right now, would that be deemed as... Uh, that's why I'm really trying to choose my words as okay. well. And, I was uh, wondering. Yes. Yeah, so, I understand. Uh, yeah. Far out. Yeah, so I can't just go straight that's up pretty and strong, say, I hate hey, this person, um, I hate that person, because it's going to just go back. And my family's back home as well, so... Uh, and it fixed them as well. Yeah, so that's why I really keep... Yeah. Uh, yes. Try to just keep my family safe. That's the main thing. Yeah. Uh, Do things happen to people overseas, uh, to their families back home, if people overseas speak out, like in public? Uh, it could happen like that too. I mean, and, but some people still do, you know, uh, um, do speak up. And yeah, I know it's hard for their families back home. And uh, yeah. And, and they get dealt to too. I mean, uh, mm. if, if somebody's talking about the man in the pub, and then uh, he'll, somebody just tells him and he'll come down and deal with you, he'll take you up to the camp and he'll do stuff there, you know, uh, if you didn't have to put it on, but uh, yeah, so that's normally like, Damn. what happens here. Yeah. See, Tonga's always had um, a monarchy. Yes. But just because Tonga's always had a monarchy doesn't necessarily mean that people have always agreed with it. That's right. As you would have yeah. seen from like the riots that happened in 2006. Yeah. You know, there are times when the people get frustrated. Get and, frustrated. Yeah. And I've seen um, that with the burning and looting as well in, yeah. in um, 87, you know. Yeah. I talk about it in my book and I, I did a, a song on my first album called Burning and Looting in Silver Town, in Silver Streets. And I could look down from Silver Streets and I was 12 years old and all I could see is that, that what's happening, you know. And what happens is the Itauke movement, the young and the old, 
the women and men uh, they will come through the village march through with their bibles and stuff and and tell all the people to clear the to clear the town because the people who's coming at the back the youth will come and burn and loot your shops so don't take anything just take yourselves and your family Amen. and leave after leave with us while we're marching through because after that will be like you know um, yeah, and th- that's what I saw is like the yeah the aftermath of uh, devastation. Yeah, and then I can watch from our place in Marasuva Street, which is, which is up in Turek, and you can look down into uh, Silver City, and you can just watch them. Yeah, just going from shop to shop, you know, sort of emptying it out and burning it and whatever. Yeah, they're doing. Yeah, yeah people in their trolleys collecting <laughs> stuff from shops and. Uh, um, can't really believe it, but that's how it happens uh, during the yeah. time. Yeah. Well, when I saw videos of like how the riots first started, how it started in Tonga, yeah, started almost as a joke. Yes, started so. almost as a joke. That so people will be entertaining. So yeah, yeah. Then someone's group, eh? someone throws like a rock. Yeah, and they're cracking up. Yeah, and then it just and then it starts, just spreads. Yeah, and then it just goes crazy, and, and then, then people jump in, grab stuff, and they're still laughing and stuff. Yeah. And, and then um, and cops can't do anything. The cops are just standing. There's too many people. That's right. To, uh, and that's what happens as well. And then after that, then they do the curfew. So curfew mm. is like okay, everyone's locked down now. Um, can't come into the city. If you're seen in the city overnight, take into the cell or something like that. So eight or six to six, you'll have a, a locked. And that's that's what they're doing at the moment. It's not a lockdown for COVID. It's curfew. It's curfew. So curfew means, okay, it's 4 to 4, you can't be seen out there, but next morning you can go and work and stuff, like how we did lockdown. From 4 p.m. to 4 a.m., you can't be seen anywhere. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise you, you can go about your business during the day as long as you do your mask and your, you know, sanitizer. So that's stuff. a different type of lockdown to what we're used to here in New Zealand. Yeah, and that's why they have in those that eight, outbreak, 800, that why the 800 cases yesterday. Oh, mate, I, I was checking updates this morning. Uh, I was like, bro. whoa. So that's why it's happening. I'm trying to explain as well on my, uh, you know, my sort of uh, spill online that uh, yeah, you need a total lockdown even if you do it with your own family. And um, yeah. So they're still having 12 hours of the day where they come out of their houses and mix with people. Yeah. And if you've got that Delta strain in the community. That's right, bro. Yeah. That, that yeah. shit is crazy. Yeah. Restaurants are open. Um, everything's open, bro, you know. And uh, yeah. So that's a thing too, Russ. You know, it's like shucks. Um, um, but the people had already started vaccinations, hadn't they, in Fiji? Yes. So it's it's going through the community. It's going through fast. But it's only the first jabs, eh? So some people have to wait till September to get their second jab or August, you know, uh, even November, some people. But uh, during this time, if you're having these cases like this, 800, you know, hundreds of cases, bro, you know, um, just imagine the waiting time and at least three deaths a day at the moment you know uh, wow yeah, the other day was six actually uh, but yeah so it's about 53 deaths so far and 48 of that is from the last four weeks wow. 48 deaths is from the last four four weeks alone so um and and our morgues are full bro uh, I saw that yeah. um, last week they put yeah. out a call for yeah. the families to come and please take their yeah, because uh, passports from leave. the morgue because the morgue was yeah. overflowing. They don't believe their bodies there for a month, you know, six weeks, some of the families, and now they need the morgue. But at the same time, you have to bury the bodies, you know, it's contaminated, eh? You know, like how they have mass graves in Italy and they were burning bodies in India. That's that's the stage we have to, we have to think about as well. Um, because you can't keep the bodies around, so the contamination and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's hard to, for Fiji, Fiji to fathom that, that kind of uh, effect. Even now, they're looking at it and people are dying and COVID cases are going. There's still some people don't want to take the COVID vaccine. 
Why? Um, and some of the still the, the belief the, that the church, church leaders are actually preaching still, out yeah, against still, it, still telling advising them, the people that not to do it. Yeah, don't don't get vaccinated. Don't get vaccinated. What's their reasoning behind that? I don't know. It's probably like a yeah. They're saying um, it's a new. You know, and, and and a lady, a doctor, had to come out and explain to them that a grain of rice can't even fit through one of those syringes. You know, and uh, still, still, that it's a chip that they're putting a chip in. <laughs> they, this, they, we're they, still talking about this. Yeah, so they are still thinking like that, bro. And I mean, far out. I mean, some of those people will follow their their leaders to the to the grave. You know, especially in the islands. In the islands, bro. So, Darren, yeah. especially our own people. That's right. You know, they and, don't know any better. Yeah. And if you're Mbete or Taltala, you're your priest or pastor, bro. You have so much power. You've got so much power, bro. Even even more than the chiefs sometimes, you know. And it's like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to really. I just mm. I just try to do my thing every day, and hopefully, you know, something happens. But um, and in terms of my family, I just tell them to keep safe and yeah, no visitors and don't go out visiting. <laughs> have your own car at home, you know. Have your own bowl. It's like yeah, but um. Yeah, it's, hard. it's hard yeah. for countries that won't do the full lockdown. No, especially yeah. if it's the islands. You know us, you know, we're already yeah. communal. Like yeah. given the barracks, bro, there's two barracks together. That's two families. So there's no fence, no boundaries. You can just get, come out, go to the other barrack, you know. Yeah. And there's, there's 40, you know. So one get it there. That's the whole thing. And that's how it's happening. So they're locking down pockets, villages as well. And sometimes those villages starve as well. Because you're locking them down for like a week or two weeks, you know. And the young people won't get the, the stuff that they need, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So that's really what's really happening. So they're really in a rough, rough place. Eh? It's not going to get better. No, it's going to get worse before it yeah. gets better. And I think that's why the um, they wanted the Fijians to wear the jersey um, with uh, vaccinate on it. I heard about and this. And Fijians said uh, no because I guess some of their families, you know, believe that uh, what's happening as well. And uh, yeah, it's so hard for them to to change. So some of the team members in the Fijian team. Yeah, some of them are anti-vaccination as well. It could be, you know, and that's that's what I'm getting as well for the gist of what's happening at the moment. And I've seen social media and leaders as well from our parliament parties in in Fiji, who's uh, yeah, and then they've got this thing that's going around. It's like a law society of Fiji. You have the right to say no to you know, because he's saying uh, if you don't get the jab, you don't get it. Uh, no jab, no job. Eh? So, so they were like, no, I mean, it's, it's our right not to get it and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there's so much conspiracy coming around about what's yeah. happening as well. And That's really hard. It's really hard, bro. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, scared for them, worried for them, you know, even frustrated as well sometimes. Bro. Yeah, especially mm. especially when it's a Pacific island and uh, so much more under-resourced. Yeah. You know. and, then, and then still, you know, we have to yeah, jump hurdles again to try and, you know, yeah. And there's not much that like other governments or other countries can do because they're a militant state. That's right. They can just say, <laughs> you know, nobody cares about your opinion and stuff. And I guess that's what happened with the World Health Organization. They were trying to tell Fiji to lock down, just like any country did. You know, like New Zealand, we went, you know, fast and early, hard and early. Um, that's what we lacked in Fiji, and now we're paying the consequences as well. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, I told them there'll be more deaths. It'll get worse before it gets better. And uh, sad to say, but yeah, it's that's the reality. So sad. Yeah, there's a population, I believe, of about nine hundred thousand. Yeah, Is that right. It's about yeah. nine hundred thousand. That's yeah. about nine times the population of Tonga. Yeah, yeah. and then, then we're talking about just one island being locked out, the main island, and five hundred thousand alone is on that main island. Okay. In Fiji, so um, yeah. So the other island is unaffected. 
Uh, the other islands are no, they they're pretty normal. But where we are is the yeah, and then there's hundreds and thousands of people just living in a little like Suva, no sorry, corridor, Nasinu. Just those two suburbs alone fills about three hundred thousand people. Right. And um, yeah, and no sort of private housing and and uh, boundaries and fences like I was talking about. So yeah, it's so easy to catch and so easy yeah to spread and. Mm. and they're having deaths, you know, people mm. under 40s, early 30s. Mm. So if they all die in those ages, then no one's safe, really, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. but we Fiji went through like <clears throat> a few months where it seemed like the virus was gone. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, or has it? Or have they always had it? It was always there in the, in the, in the depths. But oh, they, they had people in isolation. It was controlled, wasn't it? Yeah, it was controlled. It was controlled. It yeah, and then it, it got leaked into the community. I mean, there's so many conspiracy how it got leaked, but uh, right. yeah, it got leaked into the community and that's where the... A communal virus come out and yeah and just and that was from straight from india as well so the delta strain and uh yeah they, i think they don't understand how serious that is too and yeah it's just yeah just, that strain is so serious yeah bro yeah, you, you would have seen the news sydney is like climbing daily yeah, and it spreads more than you know than it last, spreads easier yeah like how yeah. we you know sort of comprehended the what last one yeah, yeah. And I guess it mutates all the time. They say, you know, this is pretty... Changes all the time, yeah. Mm. Adjusts itself. So, <laughs> shucks. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it just makes you think how lucky we are in New Zealand, doesn't it? It's right, brother. I know I give thanks. Even my mom and them's here. I'm just happy for them too because it'd be so hard in Fiji to try and, you know, as well control the older ones too, you know. They, mm. they, they want to go do stuff. And, mm. and even over here during our lockdown, it was hard to yeah. <laughs> contain our household, you know, islanders. Eh? Yeah. No, no, I'm going to, I want yeah. to get this. I'm going to go get it. Okay. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Just imagine that times five back home. And, yeah. yeah. And so there's nothing like um, physical distancing or anything when they are out in public? Uh, they do. They do the two meter things and all. But um, the worst thing I heard was the other day that someone got vaccinated and got uh, COVID from being vaccinated as well, just being in the two meter zone or whatever. So um, yeah, no one is really. No, there's no control around what's happening at the moment. So anybody, even if you get vaccinated, you know, vaccinated. It's the scary yeah. thing is because VG is a militant state. How yeah. long before the military get real serious about it? That's know? right, man. And the, and then his his thing is like, yeah, don't get the jab, you know, don't get the job thing. But um, you have to have all that prevention in between, you know, while people are waiting for the jab, you know. Mm. They probably die before the jab, you know. So, mm. um, like the way things are going with Fiji. Yeah. Tough times. Tough times, brother. Yeah. yeah. Even my bro, my brother, my cousin at home is still working, you know. Um, but that's the thing. They, they'll bring it home, you know, and just, yeah. It's hard to say whatever. We just support them from here, bro, you know. Um, mm. And I guess Fiji, the team was just playing. You know, I think that's why they did really well. Oh my god! They really played really that well. That game, <laughs> that game, Darren. <laughs> Man, I was so happy for the brothers. You know, they were so. I was yeah. happy. I was happy for them. Yeah. But I was like. Come on, man. What about that forward pass? Yeah, yeah, that's right. What about the that forward ref? pass? Yeah, oh, man. I was so pissed off, man. Yeah. There was a few few calls. Eh, bro? <laughs> I was like, bro. Hey, bro. Uh, it's not often that a Pacific Island nation will get that close to success, especially against like the All Blacks. The All Blacks, you know? man. At so that when time, calls yeah. like that are missed and man. stuff, I'm just like, you know, yeah, like, it was really there's so close off, to eh? opportunities there. Yeah. You know, you don't need all those extra things to go against, against them. Yeah. You know, 
Because even the linesman has never even called the forward. You know no, like, but the commentators, the commentators yeah, called it, and they yeah. even even the video editor yeah. went back and like replayed and it. We watching it. What forward pass? We're like, we're like what? Yeah, man. I hope they do well this weekend, man. Yeah. So far. And then that that game, you know, the pre games too, Samuel Tonga. It was I good. Didn't actually see great. that game. I didn't actually yeah. see that game. But I heard it was a strong, um, it was a solid first half. That was a good. And then Samoa yeah. um, took off in the second half. Yeah. That was good, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I like the look of that Fijian team. <laughs> man, that's right. <laughs> they look like they were serious, man. You know, Take it for serious. It's been a while since I've seen another team bully the All Blacks. Man, that looked right. like that. Bully I saw them bleeding. The All Blacks were like, yeah. most of them were man. cut up. And, and these guys were just like walking yeah. around like beasts or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, been, it's been a while since I've seen the team like, yeah. come up and really bully them. That was really good. I mean, a really good, um, uh, you know, sort of. Just no back around for their money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just threw everything on the field. Yeah, man. Oh. The other thing as well is like normally, like um, in the past, like normally I reckon the All Blacks normally sustain a team, or if you're going to sustain it with the All Blacks, yeah. you can probably normally hack it with them for like maybe sixty minutes. Yeah, and then their fitness notoriously Destroys. takes off. Yeah, right. But less and less is that man, is that happening? That great, you know, like um, they went overtime too. You know, they went like, overtime, almost yeah. eighty-two minutes in. Yeah. Fiji almost scored in that last yeah, one. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. bro, man, yeah. yeah, man. Hey, they played for what was happening at home too. So, and yeah. it was hard for them too because they had to decide about what to put on the. You know, just imagine right. being the last minute thing. I know we don't want to wear the jersey. You make you know new ones right. and stuff, and they have so much more. You know, and they were sort of only met for that period of time as well so I'm looking forward to what's happening this weekend to hopefully they keep that fire keep that energy yeah well they came within 8 points of taking the lead man 8 that, points that's right and they put some the first points on the board as well I was like oh because I was like please Fiji just do one try man just get some points <laughs> on the board please <laughs> how many tries it was 3 tries 3 tries 3 tries yeah a couple of conversions missed but yeah but for let's be honest though for 70 minutes I felt like they exposed wow. they exposed the All Blacks the All Blacks then, really look vulnerable at some stage eh? yeah. you know making yeah. silly mistakes <laughs> silly errors the turnovers too eh? the line outs yeah. bro the line outs was good man shucks man yeah. I was like is this the game <laughs> what game am I watching is this the one this is the one man <laughs> no, they might have been maybe they were overconfident after after Tonga, eh? maybe they were a little bit overconfident <laughs> oh, after, could've, after could've beating been, Tonga yeah. that they thought it might be another. Because the Tonga was just uh, some club members oh, as well, eh? Mate, it was players. so sad. Yeah, yeah, I heard the story behind it too. Yeah. Far out, man. They missing yeah. about twenty-two of their normal players. Shut players up. stuck in quarantine. Players stuck overseas. Managers yeah. wouldn't, clubs wouldn't receive European players. Oh, what a headache to everyone. Man. Yeah, and then you've got like it's it's a frustrating thing because then you've got like a whole lot of Pacific Island players, you yeah. know, that are mu- that are. Um, Tongan descent, Samoa and Fiji. They might have played for the All Blacks or yeah. Wallabies in the past. That's right. But now they want to play for their own country. Man. Can you imagine what sort of game that would be if they were allowed to come back and play for their country? That would be amazing. Bro. Amazing game. It would probably be like the Fiji team, you know? Because yeah. they brought them from yeah. France and yeah. all those. Yeah. And our boys do really well when they go to, goes to those clubs and you know, yeah. play those rugby. Because they look after our boys as well, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and if we have the facilities like that at home. Yeah. Bro, ah, yeah. Man. Well, they were definitely playing at that same level. That level, you know, yeah, that's then. true. Yeah, that's why I can't wait for the you know, Moana team next year. And, mm. you know, they'll, they'll sort of be awesome, make a difference. So that Moana team is going to be a Pacific Island team, but based here in Auckland, is that right? Yeah, based in Auckland, you know, Samoan, Tongan, Fiji, and yeah. 
And I think the draw as well, the Fiji draw team, which is the yeah. one we're watching now. Yeah. So they'll probably be part of the Super Rugby too next year. Mm. Yeah. But from that Moana team though, like, isn't that just going to be like another pickings team for like the Auckland Blues or for the All Blacks? Could you know what be, I mean? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, that could be too, yeah. I don't know what the strategy is behind it, but yeah. I'd rather... Yeah. Sunil Awaki is a perfect example. Yeah, Sunil Awaki yeah. was playing for Tonga. Is that, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Jeez, I hope I've got this right. <laughs> He's playing for Tonga and then they created that mixed Pacific Islands team. Remember that? Yeah, we're big, He was yeah. a standout. Yeah. He was a standout. Yeah. Two years later, he's playing for the All Blacks. That's right. That's right. He came out of there. And then our team just dissolved. Yeah. Our Moana team. Eh? Yeah. So hopefully this one just sustain again and come through it. Yeah. yeah, well, it looks like it's. I think it's got good people that are running it. Yeah, yeah. I had because uh, we went to the game last week. Aaronie Clark was there as well, and, and Michael Jones. And Michael Jones, yeah. So good Talano, you know, sort of see where the boys at, and yeah, said hello to what's his name, Sivo, Sivo Reese. Oh yes, Sivo, yes. yeah. <laughs> and he was like this close to playing for Fiji, and he's like, is that you right? You could see the, the is thing, that right? Yeah, because they were the only two Fijian boys in the in the All Blacks. Eh? Yeah, him and uh, Satutu, and yeah. But yeah, it was good, those two boys. And you should see them afterwards and, and all the Fijian boys making fun as well. Because yeah. <laughs> he grew up in uh, Nandi, yeah? He, he was right. born and raised there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if they play for, if, if someone of Pacific Island descent plays for the All Blacks, well, officially what is it? Is it a three-year stand-down? Or is, is it more complicated than that? It's more complicated Maybe than that, isn't more, it? Yeah, sort of. Because I hear that Charles Butau has been trying for ages to, to try and qualify for any Tongan team. And then, but he keeps getting held back by either his club, getting released from his club or from yeah. his contract. or. And then by the time you want to play it, you know, your career is towards the end again. Yeah. Even what's his name? Uh, the, the bro from the league. He's gone to Japan, is it? Who's that? Is he... Uh, Follow, follow, follow. Yeah, so he's going to play for Japan. Or he's going to play for Japan. Yeah, I saw his, some kind of thing on social media. Rugby that, Union. Yeah, that he might be playing for Japan or something like Far that. Far out. Could be sevens for Olympics or something. <laughs> but see, like, wouldn't someone like, uh, wouldn't someone like Joe Rockefoko like be keen to play for Fiji? You know what I mean? He's had, yeah. he's already done like how many years off? That's right. Yeah. He's still a young fella too. Eh? Yeah. Oh. Far. He was like a gazelle. <laughs> That's right. He, he was beautiful. He was amazing. And how he dies, eh, oh, mate, he was amazing. Eh? So graceful. Allergy. Yeah. Uh, uh. It was. Yeah. He was amazing to watch. Yeah. Him, Rupeni. You know, Rupeni. Tony Booker. Yeah, man. It's like you know, it's no effort, eh? But he's uh, just so yeah. fast. Eh? Yeah. Completely effortless. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Fiji's definitely got some amazing yeah. talent. Those uh, flying Fijians, he's <laughs> like, yeah. Oh man, they really played their hats out. It was good, way, bro. You know? Definitely, definitely. It should be an interesting game, the second game. Yeah, see what happens. Eh? I was happy to see John Cohen, you know, change his stance as well. Oh, <laughs> he was yeah. just saying, oh, Tongans, Fiji, and the Islanders are coming together, hiding and stuff. Eh? Yeah. But man, all blacks look really <laughs> hurt after that, eh, bro. They were like, oh. <laughs> There would have been a lot of sore All Blacks after that. Oh, bro, man. Yeah. Ice bath, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, good, good stuff. Where is the second game? Hamilton, bro. Right. Yeah, so a lot of Fijians done there too. And uh, I think it's sold out, bro, you know. Yeah. And Tonga Samoa again. You know, before, eh? It's like, gonna, it's sold out for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could go see it, but yeah. TV, the eye. 
Yeah, it's great. Um, I love having these Pacific Island teams playing here in New Zealand. Man, it's such a good thing, you know. And good, they give us, they don't give it a good go, eh? Yeah. Although our facilities are limited at home, we just, yeah. man. But one day, I really do hope those eligibility rules do change. Yeah, that's yeah. right, and it changes up. Look at how different the league is. True, true. Yeah, that boy, man. Yeah. How tall I was. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the I difference. I went to that game, bro, over here. Oh, oh did you? In Hamilton. <laughs> the Tongan, uh, boy. Oh, man. You guys represent, bro. You guys take it to the next level, man. But that's what last weekend could have been like. You yeah. know, like if the eligibility rules were different, if Tongan stars could really just opt to play yeah, for their own team, that's, right. that's what yeah. it could have so been. So it like. wasn't the best. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. yeah, we wanted the. Yeah, I hear a lot of Samoan stars are thinking of playing for Toa Samoa. Yeah, <sighs> imagine so, that. Right, that'll be amazing, brother. Yeah, far out, man. I mean, that, I think that could be a future of rugby. Hopefully, yeah. You know. I would, that'd be nice. Well, it depends. It depends if, like, you know, if um, that's right, yeah. those old that's white top. men that sit at the top, that's right. If they yeah. want to, like, decide to yeah. make it more interesting. So I was hoping Blair Mackey made it to the to the director of yeah, yeah, rugby. But he's good. Good to have him up there. Yeah. Nah, cool, bro. Yeah. There's um, uh, notoriously for like for I know especially for the Tongan team, there's always been a lot of corruption within the rugby unions, and even still now within the rugby league as well. The sevens too, bro. So most of the sevens players still struggle, brother. Right. You know, um, okay. Yeah, financially and, you know. Like and money then, goes missing. Yeah, and then um, even when Ben Ryan was doing the last sevens for Rio, you know, um, yeah, he was, you know, one of the star players was a uh, shame for him to come to his house, you know, because he's still living in a tin shack and stuff like that, you know. One of the star players. For the sevens team, you know, and um, yeah. And then that was still happening. You know, before the Olympics and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I think our rugby players don't really get treated, you know, the the way they should, as well. But uh, yeah, I, d- I don't play, but yeah, I hear this stuff as well. And, and there's a, there's a book anyway. So uh, Ben Ryan has written a book about Fijian sevens, and is everything right? is in there. So uh, yeah, if you have a, I forgot what it's called, but yeah, it's out there. Um, but yeah, he's he's a Ratu now in Fiji in one of the villages called Serua. His name is Ratu Peni Raini. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they hardly give anything to anybody who's a foreigner and not Itauke. Wow. So, so he's got his own title. He's got his own title there. He's a Ratu now in that little village called Serua. And that's yeah, this is between Nandi and Suwa. Yeah. Does he live there? No, but oh, he's right. got yeah, so he's got a gift just before, you know. Yeah. What he's done for the country. Oh, so. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, he really pushed our boys to the limit. Eh? Even Jared Haynes didn't make the cut, you know. He yeah, came over to yeah, try, and yeah. uh, you know, a lot of those stars didn't make it, you know. And some of our Fijians, they even just come out of high school, some of them, and they just natural, you know. Yeah. Um, just, just suffer so fast, and yeah. Uh, yeah, but I want to see more of them come overseas and get the, you know, the good chances they need and they deserve it. Eh? Mm. Um, there's a lot there's yeah, because Rupian is back home now, you know. He's, yeah, it's really nothing to show for what's happened. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's a lot of interesting stories. I really want to get um, Dan Leo on this podcast. 
um, who runs the uh, what is it? Uh, welfare for Pacific Island rugby players. So he did that video, eh? is it? I've seen. I saw the yeah. one he did on Rupini. Yeah, I saw Rupini's video. Yeah, yeah. that's so that a good one. Yeah. But that's kind of what you need. You need yeah. like to go back and find these players and really portray their stories. Yeah, and then take those clips and like post them online. And that's, that's right. how the stories like. Yeah, you know, and especially for our next generation of rugby players coming, you know, teachers there yeah, looking yeah. up to them. And, um, and, yeah. and the realities of like yeah. of what a career like that looks like. Yeah, and, and, and something to fall on or whatever, you know, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, most of these guys come from playing with, you know, plastic bottles on the streets, you know, just playing touch from there and then. That was us. Yeah, that was <laughs> us, bro. Yeah. yeah, that's what I say in the book as well, bro. So, it's, yeah, that was us, bro, yeah. yeah I remember that. Yeah, yeah. man. Um, it was good times. I was telling my boys, hey, man. Bro, you guys don't know what you know. Yeah. Now you can even if choose. even if someone would give us like a rugby ball, that was such a big thing, bro. Because we knew how yeah. important that rugby ball is for us and our yeah. mates. You know, yeah. you'll have a fight in the village for that. <laughs> hey, how can you be big? Hey, no, no. Because <laughs> I remember, I remember like because uh, I went to Tonga High School where you had to wear like a mat around your waist. Oh yeah. You know, I remember Tonga. like if you didn't have a ball, someone would take off their mat, roll it up in a ball, and tie it up, and so, that was our ball. Yeah. That was our ball. Yeah. Solid um, too, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I use anything, anything, anything bro. even a coconut, you know. <laughs> Just don't kick it or head it. <laughs> That's ready, bro. Yeah. Oh man, humble yeah. beginnings. Oh man, you know, best days, bro. You know, I wouldn't change it for the world, too. You know, same, yeah. same. Yeah. It kind of yes. makes you, if you can always like look back on where you come from and like remember those things. It kind of keeps you grounded, yeah. And like wherever you get to in the future. That's right, bro. And that's why I wanted to capture this. So I wrote that book as an adult, but I looked at myself from the ages of 12 to 17 before I come to New Zealand. Mm. And I tried to recapture that in mm. this book and look at the individuals, how I saw them through my you know, young eyes. Eh? And uh, yeah, so that's, that's what, I think what I wanted to do with that book. And yeah, and uh, yeah, and just honor those memories, you know, mm. uh, like you had your 17 years, you know, everyone. Mm. And everyone will see, when you mango, you'll have your own mango tree back in Tonga. I used, to have a, I used to have a mango tree that grew next to our house. Yeah. And so um, every Friday night, me and my mate would yeah. climb onto the roof of our house, yeah. get some mangoes and just sit on the roof and just eat mangoes. Yes, beautiful, eh? Yeah. yeah. It's my favorite fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I used to know what, yeah. what I still do. I'll, I'll climb and then I'll bite them. Yeah. Just to see they're ripe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then my grandmother would say, yeah. See all your yeah. teeth marks on <laughs> mango. Like a bat. <laughs> like a bat biting all these mangoes. <laughs> oh, yeah. she used to get pissed off. Eh? <laughs> we just had to watch out though, because you know there's always power lines that crisscross the this right. <laughs> <laughs> Next minute there's a, <laughs> there's a shock bat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. man, I got so many, so, such rich memories of like growing up in the islands. Oh, bro, man. Also, it's very different as well because, um, Man, back in those days, like we didn't we didn't have any devices. Yeah, that's right. And bro. so the world of the internet, <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't exist. No, man, it was literally <laughs> yeah. Even telephone was not there. <laughs> you know, like if you if yeah, like if you did call someone, yeah. you know, and you agree to meet somewhere at a time, yeah, and then you go to that place and they don't turn up, it's just it. like oh yeah. oh well, <laughs> I was just around the corner. I, mean, I didn't know. <laughs> like now you can just text. Okay, I'm coming. Almost there. <laughs> It's like, bro, I was just there. Yeah. Hey, I just left. <laughs> Communication was on a different level. And that's what I like too. Uh, my granddad used to write to me, you know, like I was saying earlier. So he used to write letters, you know, and even type them sometimes, type letters, you know. I guess that's a, that's a foreign thing now to ask, you know. Typing on a typewriter. Or, or writing letters, eh? 
like yeah. uh, kids nowadays they'll probably think what what's you know? like I guess back in the days people used to have pen pals and all that kind of thing I guess it's all happening now online eh? I suppose so yeah, yeah. but also I mean, people can FaceTime internationally yeah that's it and it's free as well if you've got Wi-Fi yeah it's crazy oh bro so yeah yeah that's why my grandmother was like freaking out you know yeah. like, even with rap music she was like oh son so if you can talk fast you can you can uh, you can be rich eh? you can make an album and people will love you <laughs> talk fast <laughs> talk fast <laughs> I was like what do you mean talk fast oh you know what they're doing there and this, oh that's a rap rap music oh yeah that rap music <laughs> if you can talk fast <laughs> it's like yeah so how did you get into writing like did that happen for you at, at school at high school or? <clears throat> not in Fiji bro until I come to New Zealand yeah? until, right yeah then I moved up to Auckland and I met uh, more more Sticks and Poa. <laughs> yes. And uh, Philet is dead. Yeah. yeah. So I think Philet was like about 14 at the time. And uh, I was marking around K Road, probably about late 22, late uh, early 23. Um, it's about 98. So we started the tour tour 98. And we started writing poetry and uh, art is like therapy. So like my first three poems were where I'm from, where I'm at, and where I'm going. How did you come into doing that, like your first poems? Um, more, more. So we were like, I just moved up from uh, Wellington, you know, pretty aimless. And just hanging around K-Road, I had a, you know, a place up at the boarding house there. Right. And uh, just hanging with the street kids and then see more come. And then all of a sudden, this street, no street kids around, just myself. <laughs> they had already known that more because more was like a chaplain and he used to look after, uh, he's a youth worker. Yeah. And then he knew, I think at that time I had with dreadlocks and all. Then he knew, oh, hey, you from you're from the islands? Eh? He said, I'm from Fiji. He said, and he used to run the top scores for training opportunities. Right. Uh, for wins. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, he said, hey, come up and see me and, uh, on Monday and then we'll sort something out. And then so I signed up for a year on his program in 98, total 98. So there was about 18 of us mm. from around, uh, yeah, all around the Pacific and Maori and Palangi as well. And then we did art and poetry. We collabed, wrote, wrote songs and wrote poetry and, you know, rap and chant whatever it was and then we went to street corners and did uh, busking mm. on K Road and Ponsonby and stuff like that even to schools eh? and you would perform your poetry <coughs> perform our poetry and, uh, and Mo would stand on the other side of the, the road and he would say hey volume volume I can't hear you <laughs> do you, have, do you have mics? no mics no mics just like me. <laughs> all the strangers walking by you know real islands hey I can't hear you from here <laughs> louder louder <laughs> this is full like a Friday See, night you know wow <laughs> yeah so it's like all of us trying to do stuff and yeah so that whole year we just spent writing and uh, um, doing an art exhibition on our lava lovers called lava lava art down at Arthur Square this is all fresh because I just moved up from Wellington mm. yeah and um, yeah and then after that year I think uh, there was this uh, Palangi guy who was a musician a jazz guitarist sort of jazz fusion and um, I think he played something on the in the neighborhood, you know, those riffs, those guitar riffs. Yeah. yeah. So he did all the music for my first album in um, 2000, Bola Terror, Immigrant Story. Wow. And I did all the poetry and I just rearranged it into, yeah, melody and, and rap and songs, yeah. And then, yeah, so sort of CNZ funding for my second album, Keep It Real. So you kind of came into it by accident almost. Eh? Yeah, so... yeah. I mean, growing up, mom was but a musician. everything happens for a reason. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, growing up, mom was a musician, and then you know, I, I came overseas, and I never knew I would, you know, start writing and stuff like that. But yeah, I always say poetry found me in Aotearoa, and uh, yeah, although it was there, but it found me here in Aotearoa, and it came like more, you know, sort of told me, and then 
Yeah, and from there, Mo said, okay, you have to, yeah, what I'm done for you, so you give back. And then that's when we went back. I went back and formed the South Auckland Poets Collective, uh, 2008. Yeah, so now it's about over 10 years later now. Mm. It's about 14 years now uh, since uh, South Auckland Poets and about over 40 poets has come through there. Wow. Yeah, and all doing really well, different fields and, yeah, from marine biologists and from professor as well. And yeah, it's amazing to see their journeys mm. in different areas. Um, yeah, and now I'm just working. I'm working at the uh, Street Poets uh, Collective at the City Mission. Mm. So getting those rough uh, sleepers to write their poems. And I work at the Auckland Central Library, and pretty homeless friendly area there as well. So yeah, so yeah, just doing stuff like that for the community and, and giving back to. Uh, yeah. When you first started writing, did you find like a like a feeling of comfort, or I feel like a therapeutic feeling? Like yeah. when you would express yourself through poetry. Yeah, definitely, bro. I mean, I guess I was going through all these things and I started to know the power of the journal. Eh? So you keep your own journal and, you know, right. most of the poems I was writing, I didn't publish. It was more of a personal, yeah, thing. personal thing, you know. Like, uh, yeah. So it's expressing yourself. Yeah, and therapeutic too, like you said, you know. And, and those three poems, like I said from the start, was the past, present, future. Where I'm from, where I'm at and where I'm going. So those three was like the, you know, you can put a collection here or this is where I'm from. Mm. Collection, okay, this is where I'm at, you know. This is where I can see things might happen, you know. And I think that, that really structured it for me at the beginning. And then from there I just pulled. And then what you do is, once it's on the page, it's frozen, you know. It's up to right. the person to read. How they interpret it Yeah, interpret well. it, yeah. yeah. And then once it's off, then you can do your, you know. You can make it a chant, you can make it a rap, you can make it a melody, you know. Use your voice to make it come alive. And then you've got the acting and everything with it as well. So, yeah, just using different elements. And that's what I find with poetry. You can fit it anywhere. It's sort of a no rules kind of thing as well. Yeah, can rearrange it into songs and music like I did, you know, and stuff like that. Do you prefer to write it, or do you prefer the um, when you express it, when you read it out? Um, uh, which side do you, which side appeals more to you? I've come to appreciate more of the writing now. Right. Yeah. Before, but I guess as most of us, we are we are natural orators eh, from our background, especially from where we come from. Uh, yeah, we've got spoken word before we had written word. Otherwise, our written word would have been the kesa and the natu, you know. That would have been our symbols, our story, you know, storyboards and stuff before the white men brought the pen and paper, you yeah. But yeah, I think that was the transition and my thing now is going back as well. Because there's actually an art too as, as well as in, in reading, eh? In reading somebody's work or reading poetry. Mm. It's like, oh, shucks, did you write that, you know? It's like almost your poem, you know? Yeah. When you read somebody else's and that's a gift as well, you know, yeah. um, to, to, do, to do that and... And I like, and I enjoy people who can recite the poems, and it feels like, wow, you feel like that—that's the poet reading it, it themselves. Yeah. yeah. So because they, you can you can see their heart. Yes. You know, like when I I do think like when poets read their own work, yeah. it's so much more interesting to me than someone else reading their yeah. work. When the poet reads his, his or her own work, yeah. it's so much more beautiful because they almost read it the way they wrote it, the way they were thinking about it. That's right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's authentic and yeah, yeah. it's really. And they relive yeah. it. They relive whatever they were f- feeling at the time when they wrote yeah. it. It comes through them. I don't know whether it comes through consciously or unconsciously, but when yeah. they perform it out loud. Yeah, it just flows, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. then there are, I'm sure there's a lot of poets as well that prefer not to perform their poetry and just let it, let it be open for interpretation. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Which is great too. I mean, I guess nowadays is spoken word is the, the main thing as well. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess that's why I'm stepping back into the reading part of it too. Mm. There's a thing in reading, like you said, you know, 
where you yeah that's why I don't, don't want to get too familiar with that book as well I mean I've right. written it yeah. it took me about seven years to finish that book <laughs> when my but yeah my first two was like within the two years I finished those two eh? but uh, yeah this one I took my time as well and yeah wanted it to be different you know yeah. how long would it take you to come up each each poem roughly um, really depends you know sometimes I could sit there for hours and sometimes I could just sit there for five minutes and I'm not you know in the zone but uh, it's about like compilations eh so like of I've what got, goes where yeah so I've got like a few manuscripts sitting on my computer and it's been sitting there for years as well uh, and then it's different collections so this one is the Vunimango collection and then you have another one you know um, the poet and the politician collection I've got one about my son as well there's a collection about him there's one about I uh, have James Baldwin had, had uh, sort of inspired me, you know, James Baldwin. No, sorry, who's uh, James Baldwin? I'm not your Negro. You know, he was that uh, political writer back in the day of okay. Martin Luther King and stuff okay. like that. So I've taken that I'm not your Negro and I've sort of uh, translated into I'm not your coconut. So I'm writing a collection called I'm not your coconut at the moment. And then that's all the sort of, you know, connotations and, and stereotypes of a coconut in Aotearoa mm. in New Zealand. Um, because that book was that written back in the 60s. Mm. maybe earlier right 50s yeah so um and it was very much uh, the nigger word was really heavy that time eh? right and so yeah that book really that film as well i'm not your negro if you get the chance to have a look at okay. it okay yeah it's uh it's amazing yeah uh, yeah so i took it from there and and so there yeah as a i guess as a poet i've been just there's a few manuscripts that i'm working on and it's always good to get something out as well. And, seven yeah. years worth of work in this. Yeah, so seven. I started my uh, masters in creative writing uh, with Selena Tustalama. She was my supervisor, so we wrote the draft of the book there. It was only about twenty poems, maybe less. And then, yeah, over the years, I've just sort of every year just put more poems in. Wow. As well. Yeah, and then yeah, it's wanted to sharpen it up, and COVID gave me the chance to, of course, to finish it up nicely. And um, yeah. And then the boys sent it over to, to China. Yeah. yeah, so when did it get released? Uh, April this year that it was released in Auckland and then we went down to Wellington Yeah, later that month as well. So it's at uh, Unity Bookstores uh, Yeah, and around the country and it's going to be available online too. So, Are you so, proud of it? Yeah, bro. I mean, I guess this is my, so far, out of the three books, this is my sort of closest that I've been really content with my work. It, yeah close to the full you know perfection uh, stage uh. the other two I uh, no, enjoyed it as well but uh, yeah different process different yeah, process yes. and this yeah, is close yeah. to my heart today eh? yeah it's dedicated to my grandparents and uh, yeah the hardest part was uh, my fa- is my family eh? writing to, about to, your family to read to read this book and, and to accept it because it's so close yeah and the way they would uh, react to it do you write a lot about your family in here <laughs> yeah there's a few you know and, um, there, there's my seven sisters is in there as well but uh yeah, so all, all the things, in you know, it'll be different for how different people take it. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty much a celebration of yeah, growing up at home. And, and most of them has been good so far, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. The artist is from Fiji, too, from Nandi, so I wanted to support his work. Awesome, man. Um, I'm looking forward to, like, sitting down and, have and going through them, yeah. yeah. I'll take my time. Yeah, take your time, brother. Yeah. And, yeah. But you, because you grew up in in uh, Tonga, so yeah. you'll, you'll understand, you know. You'll, yeah. It'll take you, like some people will take a lot, lot longer time to right. digest it. Right. But for you, because you're not familiar, you have your own Furimango, yeah. yeah. you can picture your, yeah, sort of connection, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And you might hear sometimes in there that the Vunimango itself is talking. 
about yeah, the right. tree next door, you know, the breadfruit tree or the banyan tree. Mm. Mm. Do you know? Um, I recommend since I recommend something for you. Okay. Um, in the evening when you're just sitting, yeah. you're just relaxing. I recommend you go like onto YouTube, right, and just start going through like, because um, people f- film stuff in like Fiji or in the Pacific Islands. Yeah. And honestly, just seeing images and hearing sounds will hit you and take yeah. you back yeah, nostalgically and might even inspire you as well. But I've found that like seeing stuff of Tonga, Man, you know, and hearing that. the music, yeah. the singing, um, and just the shots of like the water. Um, it's hard to describe. Yeah. So once you but see you know them, what I mean, yeah. eh? You know what I mean? Once you see the visuals and once you see like someone sitting on the back of a ute just filming, just driving through a village, yeah. you're there. You remember it. You remember the smell, the heat, everything, you know. Yeah. The senses work, eh, bro? Your senses just come alive. Yeah. 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 Oh, I miss home, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been supposed to go back this year, you know, end of the year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like sharks. Yeah. But that's okay, yeah. Can people still go into Fiji or no? No, man. I mean, it'd be crazy to go (laughs) at this time as well. Of course. But I guess they're asking for nurses and stuff like that at the moment. That's the only sort of people are going to Fiji. Right. Yeah. Tonga has like a free week quarantine. Oh, You can go, yeah. I think you can go under special admission, Yeah. but still it's like a free week um, quarantine. Wow. Wow. I think Fiji is the same too now. But yeah, who would want to go in the midst of everything, eh? Yeah. It's a pretty rough time to go over there. Yeah. Thanks, sir. So this is really cool, man. This is really cool, like this piece of work. So now that you've now that you've released this, have you started unconsciously working on your next? Started to entertain the idea of working on your next project. That's right, bro. <coughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on this project, which is the, with the Street Poets. So we're putting an anthology out next March, and that, that's that's uh, where I work with them. Every Thursday morning, I go out to the mission, right, and I run two hour poetry exercise workshops with them. There's about eight poets there. And uh, one of the poets has been writing since the 80s. So he's got over 700 poems, bro. <laughs> and wow. he suffers insomnia. So he writes poetry, like, religiously. Um, he will wow. write five poems a day, actually. And every time he comes to the workshop, he's got almost 50 poems or kind of some, some kind of thing like that, you know. And, and we've got fi- five typists, uh, volunteers from the council, <laughs> who's typing out his work because he only writes. And his ribbon for his typewriter has broken. So he's, he's got no telephone, he's got no computer. Uh, no technology whatsoever. He just writes them in papers, loose papers or black books, nice thick black books, and he just brings them to class. And yeah, so I really want to publish him as well every year. He can publish a book every year for the next five years if he wanted to. You know, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, bro, just amazing. <laughs> he, he reckons he's been suffering from insomnia for ten months, brother. And um, you know, and I say, what you do? And he said, like, I just write, and sometimes I just stare at the ceiling and stuff like that. And I mean. He's, he he rough slept in uh, in England as well for twenty years, yeah. So so the eighties till the two thousand, then he come back to New Zealand, and only the last three years he's got his state house, and then that he's just been writing religiously since then, and just going hard and um, yeah. And all the stuff he would have seen on the streets, yeah. man. Yeah, bro. And then when he does read. You can't get just because he just mumbles and it, it sounds so terrible. I mean, right. you know? but when you read his work, like on the page, it's like comes uh, alive, comes alive, brother. Even like the words he used and stuff is so yeah, immaculate, bro. You know, it's different. Eh? Sometimes you look, for the, <laughs> yeah, look for the That's words, yeah, look for the words, the meanings, and yeah, 
So two of our poets are pretty much ready to drop their own books as well. Right. So I'm using this as a platform for them. Uh, Rough Lives Matter. It's called the name of the anthology. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, they're gonna march, march next year. We're looking at uh, putting these guys out. And at the same time, I'm doing my own thing with my own sort of personal manuscripts as well. Yeah. Uh, doing Going West uh, next month uh, as well for uh, sort of poetry reading night with Carlo Mila. Oh, okay. And, uh, Going West, is that? Yeah, the festival up at uh, Out West there. Yeah, okay. Literary festival, eh? Yeah. And then, yeah, mainly just working around Central Library because I'm based there mm. as the Pacific Heritage uh, Advisor. So I work with a lot of our heritage stuff, our collections from that came to Sir George Grey, who was the governor back in those days. So letters from Tonga, from the... Right. Yeah, from uh, Queen Salote's scores of her songs that she wrote. Yes. Uh, yeah, 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 so yeah. We, we collect all that. So I look wow. after the Pacific Heritage. That's my job up at the, at the library. So... Um, and then I just trying to connect with our Pacific communities here, and, and that's uh, some fascinating stuff. Yeah, oh, a lot of history. Yes, some good history, bro. I mean, at the moment we closed uh, for renovations and stuff, but a lot of people has come through there, you know, to research. Mm. Uh, I've seen a lot of letters from even from the Maliato, from Samoa to Sir George Grey, from the Ratu in Fiji, from the Kumbau, that we're talking about his language, Bao. So we've got that. Even pamphlets of uh, seven. Um, missionaries from Tonga, seven missionaries from Fiji, right. uh, translating the Bible into different uh, verses oh of, of the language, yeah? Yeah. and going through different parts of Fiji and Tonga and spreading the gospel in their own uh, languages. Yeah? So even Noah and the Ark, and I found one of the ancestors here, stays in Fijian guy, um, he come and read his ancestors' work from the 1800s, wow. uh, drew the Ark and the story in Fijian of uh, Noah. And the ark at the bottom. So I got his ancestor from here, Buli Tangidi, to come and have a read. It's just there. Tears in, uh, yeah, and just connecting back. And he's a religious man as well, you know, today. So this is like a, almost 200 years later, and as far as reading stuff. Almost like, 200 years later. Yeah. So and one of your descendants read what you and, wrote. And it's, it's written. Handwritten. It's, written. Yeah, it's handwritten. So it, it's preserved in our. So it feels collection. like you're that close as well yeah. to. So he's reading from the original. One of your ancestors. Mm. So what we do is beautiful we, thing. We digitize them and we put them online so people want to look at them as well. They can go online and yeah, have a look. Even Captain Cook's collection of the Tapa from Tonga, Tahiti and uh and Hawaii. There's forty uh pieces. Right. In our Captain Cook logbook, uh seventeen eighty seven. Right. Yeah, that was published. So it's got cuttings of different natus and different uh yeah, sort of Masi and all from the different islands. Yeah. Or his voyages, yeah. And there's only 66 books in the world. I think there's three in New Zealand. So we've got one of them at the library and one at the museum. And I think one down south or South Island. But yeah, stuff like that I'm looking after. And I've been there for almost four years now. Bro, I've learned so much about the history of Fiji. Then I stayed in Fiji, growing up in Fiji. Of course, of course. You know? yeah. And I was like, fah, man. Yeah. You know? It feels like when you're the, growing up there, you just see what you see. Yeah, and they, yeah. they, they don't teach you that at school. I mean, they... They teach you English history and English uh, literature and stuff like that as well. They teach you English history and Engl- English history and uh, in Fijian Fijian school in primary school and Fiji curriculum, secondary eh? school. Yeah. I mean, they would teach you religion and, and language as well, like you have uh, Fijians. But so, you learn about the old English kings and queens, and then you learn about that, yeah, <laughs> and, and literature like that as well. Eh? That's so, hilarious, uh, yeah, bro. So like, yeah, <laughs> people you never even that's it, bro. Don't even know. <laughs> And that's why I'm happy. Yeah? I'm happy the PM is gonna, you know, oh, yeah, the, so our history is gonna go back in schools, especially here in New Zealand. Eh? So I, I never knew that. Mm. That's, but that's pretty crazy. It is, bro. 
Well, uh, well, what I was looking at, <laughs> even with uh, regulations, this is 1800s, late 1800s. You're learning about like Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> You're like, who? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they came through and they had a regulation book, you know. Oh, so gosh. even our people couldn't, the, the males not allowed to drink covers till they're 20. The females can't drink covers till they're 25. This was in our... So if you, sorry, this is regulation made by who? This was the parliament when they first come to Fiji. <laughs> yeah. And we actually got the logbook, you know, in oh our in our thing. Yeah. It's like this, 1887. Oh. This was written by this, you know. So if you, you know, it was like a rule book anyway. Even if you like sort of, you know, killed somebody, that'll be there. But at the same time, how many canoes can you own? Uh, you can own only two canoes. You can only drink cover in this certain time. You can, uh, yeah, you, naked. You can't be naked. You know that kind of thing. Eh? This so, is a white uh, man's rule. Yes, yeah, so Pacific Island. Col- you know the colonizers come through. I see. Yeah, and that's the same time as the Indians coming through as well to Fiji, 1875 to 1880. You know, uh, Arthur Gordon talking to uh, Sir George Grey. And then he brings them. Eh? So he was, yeah. He's the same Indian, uh, same guy who took the Indians to Caribbeans, the Maritais and all those islands as well. Eh? So that's how the same indentured laborers. So they'll tell the Indians, hey, no, don't worry, Fiji part of uh, India. You just go this week and you'll come back on the end of the year. So 200 years later, they're still relaxing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so that was the, the, the white man's, uh, yeah, sort of uh, colonization stuff. Eh? I see. Back in those days, yeah. They put the Indians there to work. Yeah, so even some of them, they married, you know, oh, don't worry, you'll see a wife by the end of the year. Come to Fiji. Wife and kids are all that side, you know. That's how they took the Indians. and That's took so them, sad. Yeah, yeah, took them the other way as well. So it wasn't really the Indians' fault, actually, <laughs> you know. It's, it's actually the yeah. Kavalangi's fault, eh? Yeah. And then I guess that's, that's this space I'm working in is, like, really um, sort of solidifying a lot of our history and, you know, how... How we've come the f- whole 360 now, you know, like us, we can talk about it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, back in those days, now, even, yeah. you know, 10, 20 years ago, we couldn't be like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But there's, um, there's still quite a bit of friction between the Fijians and the Fijian Indians, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was always going to be the case. And that was the intention at the beginning, anyway. Right. You know? Divide. So, um, yeah, cause, cause that division, eh? And they knew it. The, the English knew that that was going to happen, you know. Um, yeah. So it's, it's pretty intentional when you come to think of it, eh? Mm. Yeah. Man, I'm just thinking that would suck, man, if someone told me, like, go work in another country for a year and I come back at Christmas and see my wife that's, and kids. That's right. And I never, ever saw them 200 again. years later, bro, they're still looking for their ancestors, how they link back to India and how they can connect back to where they had originally come from. Girmit, eh? The Girmit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the English has done a lot as well with the Indian population, even with them in, in England, you know. I was watching yeah. a documentary last <coughs> night on, um, I think it was Mauritius. On oh, the yeah. Yes, that's the and, one we um, talked about. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting because their culture, the culture there is quite, um, it's quite intertwined now and there's quite a strong Indian yeah, influence, um, eh? population there, but also Chinese and also Creole as well. That's and right, Creole. Haiti, yeah? yeah Haiti is yeah. not Creole. And, and that's what I was thinking, bro. Fiji, don't be careful. They end up like Haiti, you know? Um, that poverty will really take over, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Mauritius, all those islands as well. Um, and that's how the word ganja got across to... It's, it's actually an Indian word, um, ganja. So yeah, that's how it went across to uh, Jamaica and all those islands as, as well. 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's why you got a lot of Indian uh, influence in the language and in the accents of most of the Jamaicans and the, you know, sort of Caribbeans. You. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty crazy what's happened to people of color over you know the last few hundred years. Yeah, yeah for, and if for you really think about it, that's not actually too long ago. You know what I mean? Like if you think about the spectrum of like how long humans have been on Earth, yeah, the last couple of hundred years is not actually yeah. that far no. far ago. And yeah, even us to talking about it, like the eighties, we didn't have what yeah. we got now. That's right. You know, we didn't that's have right. cell phone. We couldn't right. like you know said, hey, we're gonna meet you there. Let's, let's just meet you there. You know? That's right. <laughs> Otherwise, it's that's done. Right. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, now we can you know yeah. really just yeah. So that was only what forty years ago now. Yeah. 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 And just imagine how kids they must look at us like for, you know like. Dinosaurs or something. <laughs> These guys are yeah. centuries here. Well, see, I, I watched the game on my phone mm. with my son, but I don't know how to, like, you know how to stream it? Oh, right, right. From Gave it to him. He's done. See, that's it. Eh? There you go, Dad. <laughs> how did you do that? <laughs> how did you, how did you, you do that? feel ashamed. Like, oh, I just went into, um, into mm. this. Um, and I was like, oh, now mm. we never have to pay for a sky. <laughs> You're genius, son. <laughs> Stay close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the next generation is um, yeah, it's it's yeah. become it's going to become like second nature to them. Man, yeah, it's, definitely, bro. Yeah, right. They're so adaptable to it. So, because yeah. I'm still the pen and people follow as well, you know. Yeah, mm. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I write um, I write sits for training, right? Oh, okay. But I can never write it on my phone yeah. or like write it into a laptop. I have to. It has to be pen and paper, okay. and then I'll take it from there and put it into my phone. Yeah. But I have to have pen and paper to like. Yeah. Right. It must be we're old, Pros- man. <laughs> Old school. <laughs> can only create something. I can only create something onto, onto yeah. if I'm using my uh, uh, my hand, a pen and paper. Pen, yeah, yeah, same, brother. You know. So what about when you write poetry? But you can obviously type it out now. Eh? I can type it. Yeah. It's easier to edit on uh, computer as well. Yeah. But I still keep a journal. You know. Yeah. Everywhere. Uh, even just yeah, encourage people to keep it by the bedside too, because I guess we went to writing school. And everything happens in dreams too, and you forget your dreams like that as well. So if you have something next to you on the bed, you know, just even if it's a line or two lines, because by the afternoon or by midday, it's gone. shit, what happened again? Yeah. Even and, when you wake up, yeah. And gone. then you had that phrase, and then something's missing. You know, one of the yeah. words missing from the phrase it doesn't sound the same. Yeah. This is when you were inspired and like, oh shit, yeah. Has there only ever been poetry that you've wanted to write, or have you wanted to ever like look at like you know like screenplays or write for write short films? I wanted to make like a document film when I was, okay. you know, thinking okay. of this one. Yeah. And I was like, sucks, I can never actually, you know, take them back to the barracks. I, we, my mom owned the barracks now. Mm. My grandparents is gone. So it's still there, but my auntie looks after it. And then still got half the barracks there because behind the barracks, the uh, American embassy has bought the whole plantation. This right. used to be our plantation. And uh, yeah, that's the, one of the reasons why my grandfather really went down. Most of the old fellas lost their plantations. To the, oh. They built their, their building stuff at the back there. Locked us out and sort of bought the two barracks near us. And just did a big bulldoze driveway down there. And then separated the whole barracks too. Yeah? Damn. The other side and this side. So that's just happened over the last 15, 20 years. Eh? Mm. And uh, yeah. So it's not the same as when I was growing up there. But still got, got that place where you can, you know sort of shoot something mm. yeah I always wanted to maybe make a film because a lot of people make theatres out of the book eh? yes which is which is alright too but I yeah. was like oh yeah uh, yeah I could see like maybe a film happening with this one yeah 
but nothing is not really discussed anything. I talked to Lemmy Bonifacio yeah. about trying to do like an operatic kind of thing. Oh, as well. If I did theater, I would probably do something like that. Right, right. Yeah, something yeah. Yeah, different yeah, outside of the box. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, for now, I just just writing with it, doing workshops at schools. Uh, Remoera School will be next. They actually, so they request it. Yeah, so I do, I've been doing since 2004. I've been doing workshops, okay, uh, mainly with at risk. But now I've chosen my schools now that I do it with, and then I'm doing the street poets right. collective as well. So that's a good place where I'm at now, and because I still do 40 hours from my job at the central. So you're doing all this other stuff outside of <laughs> yeah, the on the side, brother. <laughs> so oh, yeah, so that's what we do, eh? Uh, yeah, brother. Any I mean, little side hustle. Yeah, <laughs> but that really feeds me to the what I'm learning from the library and you know right. being that Pacific role. Right. And uh, yeah, and giving back. So to make you feel like you got like a responsibility as well. Oh, yeah. Big, big time, yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you get an email. Oh, can you help me? Yeah. I have to, you know, you have to really okay. Especially if it's history and somebody's you know very particular about their history or a certain name or a certain photograph, you know. Yeah. Because even looking at photographs, I look at Marasura Street where I went to school in Fiji 100 years ago, and there's no baka tree, no, you know, no banyan trees behind there. And I was like, fire, when I was growing up, there's you no know, banyan trees was there for 50 years. I think it's about 140, 150 years old now, the school eh, in Fiji. My grandfather went there, my uncles went there. But just to look at the picture. And When's the last time you were there? Uh, in 2019, I was okay. there when my grandmother passed away. Yeah, so I try and go back every year, but now my grandmother's gone and my grandparents. It's like uh, there's no real urge to, you know, to go back. But I need to go back to to the, you know, sort of uh, take your children, the, the grave. That's, yeah, that's a I mean, I took my boys. Yeah, yeah, um, a few times, and while they were alive. Eh? But uh, yeah, it's different now. And the house is really empty after my grandparents is right. gone now. So there's only two of them staying there at one time. It was a one-bedroom barrack. Yeah, it was, would have been 14 or 15 of us wow. staying in there, growing wow. up eh, during one time. Mm. Memories, then, eh? Memories, brother. You know. And then, like I said, you know, we won't change it for the world, eh? Yeah. That was best times, brother. You know, although we, you know, poor and everything, you know, materially, yeah. but we were just there, yeah, happy man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because you make do. You <laughs> yeah, make do, you know. That's right. Yeah, I mean, the pleasures are simple. Simple and, and pleasures. share as well. You learn how to, okay, I've got this piece as to half. Should you, know? you learn how to yeah, share, yeah. Man. Over here, hey, no, you get your own thing, man. Do you, know, um, do you know, Darren, that was one of the biggest things that I couldn't get used to when I first came over here. When I was, I came here to do seventh form yeah. in Palmerston North. And yeah, going to school, I, I couldn't shocking. understand, like, you know, at lunchtime, yeah, yeah, like how you sit next to people. Yeah. But they don't, Nothing, yeah. There's no sharing. <laughs> Not even allowed to look at what you're looking at. <laughs> so, come on, give me that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember in Fiji, you know, we get a half loaf, eh? We cut the bread and we put the butter and the, yeah. the banana, yeah. you know? And then I take it to school and just put in the plastic. Yeah. And then the Indian father will have his parcel of roti. You know, the Chinese You all pull it together. Then, yeah, put it together, even exchange. Hey, bro, you want this today? Okay, eh. And they love the banana sandwich because they don't have it at all, eh? Yeah. But yeah, we used to put it together anyway, you know, and have a big, you know, even if you bring a tin meat and open it, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And nowadays everyone's just for themselves doing it. It's like. Well, it's know. a different, it's a different culture. It's a different, different community. Setup, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. But it's, the, the importance of sharing things is, I think, oh. is such an important human quality. Yes. Yeah. You know, because it creates community. Yeah. You know? And I think that's what makes us different as well when we come to, you know, to Aotearoa and we can see the ones that were really born and raised in the islands too. Eh? You really can. Yeah. 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 
Never hesitate to share anything. That's right, hey, bro. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you like the shit? Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know how that island... Oh, that's hap- that's, happen- shit, that's yeah. happened to me, man. I've yeah. been at... Um, I remember being at some drink up in Orahu. <laughs> <laughs> some guy came and he was wearing the... Um, Funny, we're talking about this. The um, the Pacific Islands uh, rugby shirt. Oh, yeah, the you know, the um, blue, white, and red one. Yeah. Remember the shirt? I was like, wow. Yeah. Where'd you get that from? And he was like, oh, I just, I know one of my cousins. Got it. I was like, that's amazing. And he just looked at me. He was like, you like the shirt? Like minute. <laughs> and I was like, it's a great shirt. Yeah. Just took it off. He was like, it's yours. And I was yeah. like, no, no, no. Yeah, Put it yeah. on because <laughs> this is winter. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, no. It's your shirt. Yeah. And yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, no, it is, it is man. Yeah. So when you're back home, just wear the old shit. To the, when you go to drink, it, just isn't that rule number one? Single. That's rule number one. Yeah. Your good shirts, keep them at home. <laughs> I said, bro, what's that shit yeah. you was wearing before? I've been to. Um, I remember going somewhere once in Tonga, and someone going, "I like your belt." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Nah, nah. You take it. You take it. <laughs> nah, take it, man. <laughs> oh man yeah. oh awesome bro yeah. but yeah it's definitely um, different culture that we've come to over here man far out so different for yeah but I try and you know with my kids eh just try and say just try and tell them stories and stuff as well like, to keep it alive yeah yeah they're so um, so different nowadays eh bro yeah cheers man cheers brother Mm-mm. But then at the end of the day, you know, like, um, I think uh, you can never discount how much your children actually absorb from you, from what they see. Yeah, that's true, bro. Yeah. You know, they, um, they read a lot of you unconsciously, you know, yeah. and you don't know it often, but you're actually teaching them a lot just by being around them. They're lear- always learning little things because they're like sponges. They, they absorb sponges, things yeah. of you, you know. They do, eh? No. And then now they're multicultural, you know, like you're Tong and someone now, you know, even with me, you know, Tong and someone Fijian, you know, it's like, and then, yeah, so we have to share that with them too. Okay, say the prayer in someone, no, you know, sing the hymn in Fijian or, you know, do a Tongan thing, yeah. But especially for them born and raised there, yeah? you know, it's, because uh, we communicate English is best for them, eh? but yeah, and I think just through prayers and uh, like reciting prayers and uh, hymns, yeah songs and stuff that's the best way to that's what I do as well yeah for connect hymns. with them yeah because yeah. Yeah. with hymns is the um, the melody and the yeah. tune and then the words teach them the words and the words flow oh, start yeah. to flow after yeah. one and they start to get it get their you know, their tongue as well yeah that's right that's there. right yeah. yeah so I'm going to try and teach him more too because I just got him in a play with Justin see, see my button you yes. know, she wanted him to sing a Fijian song yes. she was looking for a 10 to 13 year old I was like hey my son there. and I asked him hey you want to sing? You're going to sing in Fijian for this hymn? And I was excited. And he's like, oh, no, Dad, you know. He's like a Mandoai shy fella. Yeah. You know, Dad, when I said, hey, you got $200 there. <laughs> oh, Dad, can you teach me the song? <laughs> yeah, okay, $100 for me. <laughs> can, you, can you teach me the song same time, bro? <laughs> I left it for the last oh, day. You found, the, you found the right motivation. <laughs> <laughs> <I> said, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, at least he's going to do that, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So every now and then we'd see, when we say our prayers, we just sing the Fijian hymns and all. I said, you don't know how to sing the Fijian hymns. So you're sing it. And, and then, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so only $200. Oh, yeah, okay. All okay, in. Then, all can in. you teach me that? <laughs> all in, man. This guy's not easy. <laughs> yeah. 
They grew up fast, yeah, these guys. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just imagine, $200, 11 years old, getting paid $200 for, a, you know, to do four shows, something you love, you know. See, when I grew up and I was about, how old was I? I'd be about 10. I was about 10. And because um, every year our primary school would learn um, the laka laka oh, or yeah. a, a dance. They learn a different dance every year yeah. to always to perform at like maybe the king's birthday. Yeah. You know? And so I always knew how to dance. Yeah. And so, like, whenever we had visitors over, my dad would always say, Mike, you good to dance? <laughs> I'd always be, yep. Even, yeah. even if I didn't want to. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. Get up. Perform, yeah. go. Yeah. But I always knew that he loved it as well. It was, yeah. it was something that he was so proud of. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. then you just want to make them proud yeah. and happy as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 I think that's the same thing with my boy too. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we, but we knew otherwise we would be humiliated as well. <laughs> I told you, dance now. <laughs> okay. Come I should have just danced already. <laughs> I should have just show off already. <laughs> so I don't have to get humiliated. <laughs> Did you do much um, cultural stuff as you were growing up in Fiji? Did they, did they put much emphasis on that at school? Uh, mainly language, eh? Language and make make dance. So if you were like, um, if you were Kailoma, the make dancers were full Fijians, eh? They would do the dance and we would do the, you know, the singing and the, yeah, yeah. the singing drinking on the side, yeah. But yeah, it was pretty much a yeah, staunch outfit. And uh, Maru's brothers, the Palangi brothers, they used to teach us how to speak proper English, uh, Fijian as well. So right, yeah. So some of them were like just fluent with the Fijian language, you know, been there for years, and yeah, it's just amazing the way they used to do stuff, you know. Yeah, Palangi brothers and just speaking fluent, you know. Yeah, I'm from this village. Oh yeah, they speak to you in their dialect. Is that yeah, right? I'm from that village. I speak to you in their dialect. You know, it's like well, oh, oh yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so. How did they do that? They just had a real knack for languages. And then I think they stayed in different places or they had, you know, teachers from different places as well. So, yes, and that's how they wrote the dictionary as well, you know. The, most of our dictionary writers were Palangis at first, yeah. Um, yes, like when I went to Cook Islands and I did a Fijian poem, and then I came off and then I, I saw I met this professor from England, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Hooper, and he was like, Boom, straight away, Fijian. Who's <laughs> rattling off Is that right? to me. It's like, oh, bro, wow. full on Falangi guy yeah, in Cook Islands. Yeah, uh, yeah just there. Yeah. I've come across a lot of um, American Balangis that were missionaries that would oh, go and stay in oh, Tonga yeah. and stuff and they would pick up the language. Pick up the language fast. Because Utah, Utah's got a. Utah's got like a yeah, strong Mormon, Mormon movement. Eh? Yeah, and so a lot of them would come to the yeah. Pacific. Yeah. And yeah, they'd come and stay with families and they would pick up the language. And, just, yeah. and they would go back to America yeah. and stay there for years and come back to Tonga later on, like yeah. 15, 20 years later, and still speak. Still. Amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah, some of them are just yeah. Yeah. linguists, eh? Yeah. I suppose, yeah. 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 yeah, it takes a certain skill to do that. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, something that just crossed my mind, um, I was talking about this on the podcast. Uh, a couple of weeks ago I think about um, I'd read this um, story about blackbirding oh yeah and how that affected um, like some of our Pacific Island people where they were being taken by ships and sold yeah as voluntary workers into South America I believe yeah Um, 
but from what I read though, like uh, the stuff that I did read, were mainly impacted like a, there was quite a few Tongans from outer islands in the Tongan region. Um, but do you know? Because you do a lot of um, Pacific Island history and heritage, did much of that stuff? Does much of blackbirding impact Fiji? Yeah, would have too. I mean, there's a big Solomon uh, settlement too in Fiji. Um, because of that? Yeah, because of that okay. as well. So even uh, Vanuatu people from Tana has come there as well to stay Is this Fiji. because of the sugarcane? The uh, sugarcane trade and, and yeah, so they drop off at different spots and especially for Fiji. Yeah, so they've, they've got a big connection with Solomons and uh, the people from Tana, from Vanuatu as well. Yeah. And then going further on too, you know, ending up in uh, South, South America, America and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's a lot of, because uh, it's the gateway to eh? Fiji, the, uh, the gateway as well to the Pacific, even with the cyclone and stuff. It's the gateway for the cyclone. comes yeah. through Fiji first and then hits the others. And, uh, you know, um, but, uh, but I suppose for people that were from Vanuatu and Solomons that did end up in Fiji, because it, la- it only lasted a few years, didn't it? Like yeah. two or three years. So, between so it'd be easier for them to fight, get their, find their way back home yeah. than it would be for the, from the poor people that yeah. ended up in South America. Because even about New Orleans as well, you know, those New Orleans was taken and then how many, the other father found his way back. I think there's a book on it as well. He found his way back home. From South America, from South America to New back to New Year again, you know. There's a book on it. There's a book on it. And, uh, I want to read this book. I forgot what it's called, but yeah, I'll send you the picture. Imagine that journey. Yes, brother. So just imagine the people thinking that he'll never come back, you know. And uh, and he's thinking he'll never probably come back. Just imagine that story, brother, you know, far out. And there's no communication, there's no cell phones. There's yeah, nothing. like we were talking about. It just turns up. Even worse that time, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. You know, bottle even <laughs> left in the bottle kind of thing, you know. Yes, man, but yeah. Humans do some crazy stuff. And I stuff. think at that time, telepathy would have been, you know, like we had our seers, we had our people in our own, you know, circles that do that thing, you know. Even before the priests come from overseas, before, oh, you know, right. we had our own, saying. you know, yeah. spiritual yeah. leaders and, you know, yeah. people who, who could sort of tell a bit of the future. And, yeah. yeah, I did hear of one Tongan survivor that came, that made his got back to um, somewhere in Tahiti. Oh yeah, made his and found like landed back in Tahiti and stayed there and married and had and so there's like a family of yeah. part Tongans in Tahiti now. Beautiful man. that yeah, you guys everywhere, brother. It's <laughs> 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 so Fiji, yeah, plenty there too. <laughs> Somewhere, yeah, there's. <laughs> <laughs> the Raiders of the Pacific. <laughs> Ma- Maafu was one of the original uh, Council of Chiefs for Fiji. I guess you knew that already. But no, uh, I didn't. Yeah, so when the Council of Chiefs was formed, when the Palangis come as well, um, from uh, in the 1800s, so Maafu was there. He was already in the Lao group. Because every year the, uh, there's a current that comes from Tonga to Fiji and same out. So that's why all the Lao group in eastern Fiji is called uh, uh, is, is connected to Lao and uh, connected to Tonga. Sorry. Yes, that's so right. So Mafu came there and he's yeah he went to Lakemba first, but then he saw um, what's that? Um, he saw the big island and he's like, I want that island. So he took his two, uh, his uh, right hand man was uh, Wainingolo, and his left uh, second right hand man was the second lieutenant was Fifita. So he sent Fifita or Yasawas and then that whole of. Uh, that whole of Lao group was him. So he was Tui Lao, king of the Lao group. Wow. So within the Council of Chiefs, that was his domain, eh? his area. Mm. 
So yeah, so you had Vakombao, you had all the different other ratos from different uh, provinces. Yeah, I think there's 14 or something provinces and three confederacies. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he was a real uh, risk for Fiji. He was a real thorn in uh, Lakombao's side. <laughs> I bet. And uh, yeah, and lucky we had the the military. See, we had the um, English to come and you know cede Fiji to him, and then Mafu to, but at the same time to preserve Tongan in in the Lao group. So we had always had a tui of the Lao group that right. protected the the culture and the of Fiji and Tonga together. Mm. And also Samoa came down there too because the island of Kambara is where everything was made. Okay. The drua, the big double hull canoes, and only ratus from those islands, only chiefs could get it. So that's why we married into each other. Did you just say that's a type of tree? Is it a tree that's yeah, so that you a, used to make yeah, double-hulled canoes? So there's Vesi tree and there's the, the Fijian kauri. And it only grows there? Yeah. And so it grows in the Lao group in Fiji. Yeah? And that's why Samoa Tonga Fiji was it. And they had a navigation school in Samoa. Um, so th- what we have in the libraries in the 1800s, they used to have 12, 13-year-old drawing maps of different islands, even Tahiti. And they were, they were known as the navigation school. In uh, Upolu, from as young as twelve and thirteen. From as young, so you can see Sione and then his drawing and his uh, sort of you know his map of a different island or something like that, and then um, yeah. How does he know to draw the map though? So they have their school, so the oh, navigation that, school that was in Upolu. Okay. Yeah, and then builders from Tonga, and then wood from Fiji. So we all meet in Fiji, and then they do your you do your mataisau, your carving and stuff and stuff like that. But you can't get a drua, a double hull canoe unless you are chiefly. So that's how we married into each other, you know, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji. So we married into chiefly sites so we can take the drawers back, the, you know, the, the double hull canoes and the red feathers. Eh? From What's the, the red feathers? The cooler birds in Fiji, the red feathers for you guys, uh, you know, your hair pieces and stuff. Oh, red feathers yes, is yes. very precious eh? yeah, yeah. for Tonga and Samoa as well. Yeah. So it's like a chiefly thing too. Eh? Yeah. So those were the two things from Fiji, the wood and the, yeah. That's um, such a cool system. Yeah, so we had that how it worked before the missionaries come and then they split. Sounds to me like we kind of had it worked out. <laughs> we had it worked out. Yeah. They're like, oh no, it's a. Uh, so see? They come and cause trouble. Eh? Okay, breathe. Throw the Indians in there. <laughs> Just a bit more trouble. <laughs> Damn, yeah. You know? And separate them completely. Yeah, so yeah, get more. Yeah. So made it. Uh, divide and conquer, you know? That kind of. But we were, man, we were good, bro. Yeah. Well, you really see it. They used Tonga to come into Fiji. So f- the name Fiji came from Tonga because you guys used to call us Fisi. We still do. Yeah. So yeah. that's when the Englishman heard Fisi. Oh, that's oh, that's the Fijis. But they used to call us the Cannibal Isles before they knew that it would be Fiji or Viti. Viti is wow. the real, because Viti from from Viti you guys call us Fisi. Fisi. Yeah, because we Fijians call it Viti. The translation, yeah. eh? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Tongans call us Fisi, so okay, they call it okay. Let's call it the Fijis. So it was the Fijis. It was the Fiji Islands, the F E E G E E Islands, wow. and then Fiji from there, yeah? from Fisi and from Fiti, yeah, from Samoa and because no F in Fijian, V everything is V, so F for so Fisi Viti. So there's no actual F in your there's language? There's no F, but uh, Tonga brought it through Lao. F and J and P. We need to change the name of your country if there's no F in your actual alphabet. <laughs> yeah. So Viti is our uh, Itauke name for Fiji. The, yeah, so the indigenous name for Fiji is Viti. Yeah? Yeah. I'll tell you something else that's interesting. Um, Ha'amoa and Samoa. Yeah. Because um, Tongans always pronounce the, we call it Samoa. No, yeah. we call it Ha'amoa. Yeah, ha'amoa yeah. But they call it 
that was known as Samoa. But again, it goes back to that historical um, <coughs> difference in alphabet yeah. as well. And that H2 is a, a big one too, even in the Fiji alphabet. Fijians don't have H. H. Mm. But the J is come from there as well. Choil. The J is like a CH. Mm. You know, Choili. And the C is the TH, eh? The. We don't have a C. Yeah. Thomas don't have a C. But it's not pronounced C, it's TH. Ah. Like Mothe. By. Yeah. M O C E. Mothe. Wow. Yeah. And then the Q is the Nga. Eh? Yeah. Ngalo. Or you know, swim or something like that. Yeah. And the B's people say uh, Bula, but it's not that. It's it's a M before the B, Mbula. Yeah? I never knew that. Yeah, and then Nandi. There's an N before the D, Nandi instead of Nandi. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, Nandi. So you'll see N A D I, but it's pronounced Nandi. Nandi. Yeah. So there's an N before the D, and there's an M before the B. Mm. Yeah. Um, always. Also Mbula. So it's actually Mbula. Yeah. <laughs> Learn something new every day, <laughs> yeah. and uh, especially with the kids. Eh? So like, uh, yeah, nongu means mine. Eh? So my son was saying noku, yeah. and I start noku, son. It's the nongu, eh? but you see n o k n o q u, eh? yeah. but it's nongu. Eh? It's like an n before the q again. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> so, hey. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, breaks it up. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's yeah, it's sort of different light as well. Eh? You know? mm up there I suppose it's really important to teach the new generation like how to pronounce things properly that's a, th- that's a thing because too, from yeah. reading yeah. you know obviously if you're reading it yeah. you're reading it naturally with like a western uh, pronunciation already in your mind yeah. and, and we can just hear the Maori ones you know yeah. Manikau Manikau eh? Isn't it? we're telling the boys hey it's not Manikau <laughs> or it's not Mangri <laughs> man, man, Mangri it's like you know just trying to say it eh? say it properly say it properly yeah and uh, I think that's like you said the hymns you're actually singing it eh? so because like you're singing it you're yeah, in the rhythm like with reading it you can just say yeah. uh, I don't pronounce it wrongly but when you're singing it you or, can't get it wrong yeah no I heard the Tongan guy singing yeah. or the, I have to sing like the Tongan guy yeah you know? yeah. so yeah and the same thing with those places in Laos they dress like you guys Tauvala and everything you know Different, Is that right? Yeah, different uh, villages would have their Tauvala have their uh, Masi half Natu half Masi yeah Fijian, Natu, Tongan, and Masi, and cross together. Even with the language, with the laka laka, the dancing. Yeah? It's similar. It's similar. Yeah. yeah. Man, I know what I'm looking up on YouTube tonight. Yeah, bro. Look up yeah. the low group. Go for the low group, yeah. Lakemba is big. A lot of people, I think you guys call it Lakepa as well. You guys yeah. got something like Lakepa. So it's a lot of. Uh, the history of those three island nations yeah. that goes back and how they're so. Um, intertwined with each yes. other is uh, yeah. so relevant and so important yeah man and the the place there Vanuambalavu is where Mafu set this thing there and he was reporting straight to King George eh? right yeah amazing those guys and uh, yes like I said the English used them to come into Fiji mm. yeah because Kamala gets to Fiji <laughs> Cannibal mm. Isles was chasing them to Tonga eh? and that, that's why the friendly Isles Oh, we went to the Friendly Isles of Tonga and they showed us Welcomed. Fiji. Fiji, yeah? They gave us the name Fiji. Yeah. So, it's so they, they first heard it from you guys and then Captain Cook got your tapa cloth, you know? And then that's the one we got in the book, eh? Yeah. They actually cut it up into 66 books. 
they can make money around the world. <laughs> I see, I see. Yeah, so uh, I think there was 14 from Tahiti, there was 19 from uh, Hawaii, there was four from Tonga and one from Jamaica. So Jamaica they used to make baskets and all out of the Masi, the Masi uh, uh, riffs. Yeah. And just, yeah, just amazing. Natural. Okay? So how you do your kupesi boards? Yeah. It was like on the back of a tree. Yeah. 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 What's fascinating is that um, it's the most vast place in the world, the Pacific Ocean. That's right. I it's guess the most vast place yeah. in the world. And I guess it was but like yet yeah. it was navigated, so you know. That's so why they couldn't get over Tupai as well, you know. <laughs> it's like man, Shaks, this fellow knows all the place. Yeah, he's been mucking around with all these islanders <laughs> from before we came. <laughs> And he's he's full acting like the priest and all. <laughs> I don't know he knows everyone already. <laughs> oh Tonga, I've been to Tonga, I've been there, PC. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, the Pacific the the richness of the Pacific is uh, yeah. is so important. And it would be any sailor's dream or you know, explorer's dream, eh? Especially to get in the vast ocean. And it's tricky as well. It's not as easy as there. No, yeah. Like we can go straight up north to Fiji, but if you go there, you'll end up in Tonga because of the currents. The currents. Eh? Will. <laughs> so you have to go out this way, come around, far out. So yeah, that there was a canoe that did the, um, a canoe that navigated. I went around, I think it was in 2018, that went around the world using that same solar system, um, that's, that same system of by the stars only. Boy. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Even. Yeah, so it, it can be done. Yeah, and they, um, there have been papers written on you know the theory of like how stars align and and the way they, but just the way our people memorized that and used and remembered like um, as well the seasons of like yeah. you know like when each stars would be visible at which parts of the sky That's and right. how to follow them and where they would change to and yeah. oh they were just in their their telepathy and all that kind of thing was amazing. Because even with the, the charts, you know, the, you know, the maps, eh? mm. um, they, they, used, they put it on the shore, they would place it out, but they would memorize it in, in the form of a chant. So after they, they just draw it out? They draw it out, they put it on the, 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 on the sand. It, it's actually a, map, a chart map, you know, like sticks. You know, oh, right. In different places. Just on the ground? Yeah, on the ground. And this is probably Micronesians. And then boom, okay, so this is the island, this is the island, but they'll make a chant. Like, okay, this is the chorus for the chant, we're gonna go, this gonna follow this star. They leave the map on the land. Then they go in the boat and they will chant. The chant is gonna keep them going to these different islands. Wow. So follow that star, okay, keep on, keep on, and you know, and they just keep on chanting and chanting, and okay, okay, cool. Okay, it's still yeah, still online, still online. Yeah. Like follow that star, okay, follow that island, or you'll come to a certain island, and then next to the island is this the island, you know, sort of thing. So that's how they used to do it. Eh? Mm. But they actually leave the map on the mm. after they made it and they've memorized it through mm. a chant, and then they go, yeah. That's crazy, yeah. And then the f- next generation, yeah. yeah, okay, I'm going now, son, I've put this chant together for you, you know, yeah. So, okay, yeah, I'll take it. And same with other practices, you know, even with the fang fang, okay. Mm. This, the is most a, this is a tune that I'll leave with you, my son. Leave this gift with you, eh? Yeah. Another one is Randauni Vudu in Fiji. He, he doesn't write, he goes to sleep. But he hears the chant. And then he sees a man dancing, he's going to teach the man's dance to the man, teach the woman's dance to the woman, teach the chant to the woman and the man. But he just sleeps and he dreams about all these things. And then when he wakes up, he teaches the whole villages and, you know. 
and that's how the traditions carry on as well and then you have to pass on as well but the passing on is just probably means like oh i just bought uh, some vacarolo fish and some dalo and some uh, taro leaves and that's the gift it looks like food you're gonna eat food but it's the food for your your mana eh? your gift eh? and it's like oh he didn't give me anything and said that's what he gave you <laughs> the food or whatever he gave you is that's the gift inside yeah that's amazing just amazing stories yeah so it's, yeah it's the power of culture yes Russ. you know yeah. and, and we won't understand what's there but they know what's happening in mm. you know, within that uh, setting as well and it's like i brought this guy here he, he was the master chanter down in the first time on a plane 67 years old uh, 2018 for the um, uh, Pacific Summit, Art Summit. They wanted five indigenous artists from Fiji. And I brought this guy, first time out of Fiji, first time out of his village, um, Bao, uh, up north. And then, yeah, he just came to Wellington. He was freak, freaking out on all these buildings and all. But yeah, he danced. He could go right down. I think I, I'd probably be less fit than he was. Yeah, yeah, the he flexibility was, and everything. Just yeah. the, man, he was chanting yeah. and dancing at the same time, yeah. doing all the, the hard moves yeah. and stuff. I was like already puffed. Yeah, I was yeah, already yeah. puffed just looking it's, at him. It's a workout, eh? <laughs> yeah. It's a workout, yeah. And he just like nothing was over. He was looking at everyone and just like, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't take money for anything, but just grog and uh, kava and cigarettes, whatever you keep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When I told you that um, my dad would get me to dance, like I didn't, I didn't just mean dance to like a cassette playing. Yeah. I meant like I sang and danced, and did all yeah, the movement and sang. And dance, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd be puffed at the end. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a workout. I mean, even young fellows, yeah, that, yeah. That, that is it. But that's how you're taught to dance is like to yeah. sing at the same time as yes. you're doing all the actions, the breathing and all that too. Yeah. Fire, yeah, man. That's yeah. The warriors, you know, they do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like far out, man. Yeah. Even before the war, you're already yeah. finished. You know, just watching them dance. <laughs> Shit, I'm already tight, man. <laughs> When's the war? <laughs> Can I rest before we go? <laughs> yeah, but there was a war on uh, Saturday, eh? that rugby game, far out. It was yeah. definitely a war. Shucks. I saw those Fijians, they were thinking, in fact, this looked like they back in those times where they were ready for war, you know. You have like 200 of them doing the spear dance and stuff like that. It's like, shit. Oh, they weren't mucking around. No, they you saw them really in that, that yeah. space, eh? Yeah. It's like beasts walking around the, yeah. the playground. Eh? And every opportunity just to intimidate. Yeah, they actually, yeah. They just went hard, eh, for us, you know? It's the first time I've seen all blacks a bit, you know, standoffish, yeah. eh? And it's yeah. like, didn't know how to take them. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what's that? I remember when um, Tonga first ever played the all blacks and it was at a... Um, opening one of the opening games for a World Cup um, this would be in 1999 I believe it would have been in the UK um, I know this because we didn't have a TV at home in Tonga yeah. I had to get up early and go outside my neighbor's house and watch through the louvers <laughs> oh, yeah, like we did. And, but it wasn't just me yeah. like all my mates were there as well beside me standing there watching and the Tongan team came out. It was the first time they were ever going to play the All Blacks. And Jonah Lobo was playing in that team. So was Tana Umanga. But the Tongan team came out completely red. Like red shoes, red socks, all the way up to red hair. Whoa, they were all like... in red. All in red. And I remember that feeling of, like, of pride just yeah. watching that. And then when it started, oh my God. I think um, Tana Umanga got taken out by the throat. 
the first one of the first tackles was he was hurt around the first game fierce. Was, oh, they came to they uh, they came to hurt. Yeah. Because like damage Because they seen all these guys on TV their whole lives. Yeah, this is yeah. their one opportunity to touch them. <laughs> Not just touch them, them but so. make some damage, you know? And, yeah, yeah. And, but no one could really get close to Jonah. Oh, you know, yeah. but I do remember some of the other players like getting seriously like yeah. some big hits some big hits went into that game yeah, they played of passion Fine, and man. at halftime it was like 19 to f- 40 I think Sucks. 19 good. to 40 but then like like I said 60 minutes all blacks take off yeah, yeah. but um, yeah Fine, man they've been awesome when our Pacific people yeah when they come to play when they got yeah when they got yeah. that, uh, that that spirit yeah that fighting spirit, you know, <laughs> the warrior spirit, it just comes out of the field, eh, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Saw that on, on Saturday. Yeah. Mm. It's ironic that the um, Tonga's league team is named um, Mate Ma Tonga. Mate Ma Tonga. Die for Tonga. <laughs> That's right, you know, bro. It's yeah. ironic that it's called that, but yeah. because I don't think they need any more encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Definitely die for Tonga, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Boy, I just saw that man. I saw that league game far out. You never forget it, eh? You know, just the sea of red. You know, Darren. Just, I I told know. someone else that was sitting here. Like I've never cried at watching. I cried watching yeah, that game. I mean, I, just, I was <laughs> I was in the lounge with my kids, and I just remember them. Um, it was when they um, defeated, beat New Zealand. Yeah, I was just. I, I couldn't I, speak for they, a little bit. Like, just yeah, the tears, like, you know. Because it, for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> my, my kids are just staring at me like, Dad, what's wrong with the eyes? <laughs> Mom, what's, what's wrong with Dad? <laughs> I was just like, you know, so, so, so caught up, like, because, you know, I've been like a, a rugby and a league fan all my life yeah. and never never have I ever thought and witnessed the yeah and right. been here to witness like our own team but that's how passionate our people are about the yes. game you yes. know yes. and it means so much because it's not just a team that we're supporting it's, it's our people it's, it's our people the whole nation you know? yeah. <laughs> for 80 minutes Fiji was f- forgot about what was happening at home we were just like oh, come on come on VT and then there you know and I guess that's what they wanted to, you know, just take yeah. our mind off of, you know, just even if it's for 80 minutes, you know. But the thing is, see, like, um, and I'm not even Fijian, but I know that, like, I know for all the Fijians out there, win or lose. Yes. Yeah. They're proud. They're proud, yeah. Proud of what Just like of all of our islanders, yeah. eh, brother? You know, some proud. Tonga, yeah. 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 And then even when we play other, you know, like Tom yeah. was playing a big country, bro, yeah. <laughs> go, to, you know, we support each other, yeah. as we know, you know. We can make a difference with us, you know. We come from a small. What does Epelea uh, for? See, don't measure us by the, don't measure us by the size of our islands, but the, the mass, massness of our ocean. Eh? Yeah, so something like that. It's just amazing. Is that from Epelea offer. Yeah, it's a great quote. Yeah, man. Because our islands are dots. Yeah, dots. Dots. So don't don't uh, underestimate it. Eh? Don't the underestimate. Biggest ocean that's in right. In the world, it's the yeah, biggest. Bro. Yeah. I mean, we look at Kiribati. Kiribati has got the largest space out of all of us in the right, Pacific right. ocean mass eh? <laughs> in terms of boundary of ocean but in terms of land it's yeah. small eh? yeah. so that's probably yeah that's that's how we can look at it you know um, yeah so a needle in the haystack kind of thing but we make a you know real difference in it you know yeah I guess anything starts off small eh? <laughs> and then it becomes boom that's so true yeah. Yeah. if you believe in it yeah. Yeah, it depends on how much people believe in it that's right yeah. anything starts off small, small starts off from a small idea yeah. a little flicker yeah. you know? but we can see we come from small islands you know if we go to international stuff it's like yeah. oh where's Tonga where's uh, Fiji or, you know? especially where's Tonga you know it's like yeah. 
But Tongans everywhere, bro. <laughs> like you said. Wow, bro. I was in a pub in um, Liverpool. I was in a pub in Liverpool uh, about ten years ago. Yeah. And drinking of these guys um, and trying to explain to them where Tonga was, right? And they just didn't get it. They didn't no. get it. And then I was trying to think of like how to connect the dots here. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, maybe rugby. And I was like, Jonalomo. Yes. Instantly. Instantly. Jonalomo. Oh, fucking Jonalomo. <laughs> Jonah fucking Jonalomo. <laughs> I thought he was Maori. Yeah. <laughs> they were Instantly. Like, yeah. you know, and I, I just, and then I, I was stunned for a second because I was like, shit, I'm on the other side of the world. Yeah. And in a pub. And just mention his and name. Just mention someone's name. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's powerful, yeah, brother. If I run. Yeah, we were there last uh, 2019 when the All Blacks played uh, England in the semi-finals, was it? Yeah. Yeah, we were there in England, in London. Were you there at the game? Well, we, no, we were watching the... Oh, right. And, uh, on, yeah. Like, damn, and they lost there. Yeah. yeah, that was a strong English side. That was there was, was well-deserving. Yeah, they yeah well, I saw that too, man. They just wouldn't stop. They were yeah, relentless. they just went on. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Big yeah. fellas to those guys, man. You have to appreciate good rugby sometimes. Eh? You have that's to, right, man. And you have yeah. to lose in grace. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, eh, bro. That's right, eh. You have to lose in grace. So be graceful about it, yeah. you know? Nothing True. worse than... Like, yeah. But we both know, you know, whenever the All Blacks lose at a World Cup, it's like Damn, a, a yeah. funeral of the sins. Wait, that's right, eh, you know? I like, I Like this morning, I felt for <laughs> all the English supporters. Oh, with the, with the soccer, yeah. The soccer, yeah. Because they lost like into over, they went overtime, over penalties, and into shoot penalty out. shootout, and yeah, they haven't won it in like about sixty years, I think. Yeah, a long time. Became so close. Another sixty. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what they really pissed off with. Gonna be another sixty. Man, but I heard that the COVID was still pretty bad, and most of them just went to the games and stuff. Eh? I didn't. Did, so, do they still have crowds? And yeah, it was wow. packed out, sixty-six thousand or something. I guess like, we'll find out next week. Yeah, <laughs> COVID was having a field day there, so COVID won at the end. <laughs> oh yeah, way. True that, bro. But see, we think you know our people are you know, but even overseas, yeah, the English they just like far out. They had fans, you know. Yeah. yeah. And soccer is like far out. They go to the next level, bro. You know, at least rugby doesn't get really violent. Those guys get really violent. But that's what I mean about yeah. like um, the way we support our teams. It yeah. doesn't matter too much whether they win or lose. Like we're there for our, our people. Right. We'll fly the flag. Yeah, anyway. even <laughs> if they lose. Yeah, even if they lose, there's still gonna be a um, a parade for Oahu. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Horns and all. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I mean. You know, that's like awesome, it's, bro, it's, you know? it's yeah. never like an aggressive. No, like they're yeah. gonna it's celebration. Like, you know? Yeah. yeah. But man, sometimes in England, man, if some of those teams lose, if like Liverpool loses or Man, Boy, man, Manchester, man, some houses are gonna get rocks thrown oh, through, you know, like some cars get overturned. It's gonna be some riots. Uh, soccer game, yeah. hardcore fans, eh, bro? yeah. Damn, people go to the hospital and stuff far out, man. Because it's some, it represents something different to them than what it does to us. <laughs> Do you know right, what I mean? Like, that's right, eh? it's the, to win for them is so important, yeah. but. I mean, it's like an ego thing for them. Eh? I mean, it's ego for us, but we are, you know, humble pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, like we know a lot of Warriors supporters that jump ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> it happens every year. All of a sudden. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm fed up. <laughs> that happens every year. Every year. <laughs> Sucks, man. Starts, every year starts off. Sad it's, the yeah. it's the sour year. It's the sour year. Next minute. 
clearly yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. That's it, eh? I guess that's probably like the All Blacks at the World Cup, you know? Towards the semi-finals, we start to get nervous and shit, you know? It might be, will they reach the finals? What's going to happen here? But sometimes they are so strong, and they look strong, and you know? You never know when those teams step up in the, especially France, eh? how they step up in this Rugby World Cup and stuff around. France got beaten by Tonga. Do you remember that? In that same World Cup? That's right. France that's got right. beaten by Tonga and Wellington. That's right. Eh? In the pool games. Was it 2011? Uh, 2011, yeah. 2011, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. right. Bro. Tonga really did well. They yeah. played Australia. And, uh, well, Tonga, see, Tonga had like its own internal stuff happening. And yeah, yeah. They weren't functioning well as a team. And so they lost against Canada. They lost that's against right. Canada the in their pool games. Roots, yeah. But uh, if they had won that little game against Canada, which was up in Whangarei, yeah. they would have gone through and France would have been dropped out. That's right. Bro. Yeah. Oh, damn, that's right. They lost against Canada. Yeah. But like the last World Cup, Fiji was slack. Uruguay. Uruguay or something. They lost oh, against really? Uruguay. Yeah. yeah. They had a pretty easy pool too. But yeah, it's never easy when you come to the World Cup. Eh? No. Yeah. You never. Some you of those lower teams too, they yeah. step up. Yeah. Uh, Argentina is pretty strong too, eh? Yeah. yeah, Argentina with the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. That their forward pack is amazing. Continuously just developing, far and developing. Out. Yeah, man, these are far out. Yeah, when is yeah. the next Rugby World Cup? Is it next year? Especially yeah, next after year? maybe. Oh yeah, it could be next year. Or oh, uh, 2013, eh? 2019, 2020, 2021, 2020. Oh, 2022, eh? Yeah, could be. Yeah. yeah. Olympics this year. Yeah. It's a little bit unfair though, because I know because the world the world champs themselves, South Africa hasn't played in two years. Oh, far true that. They didn't play at all last year. They, no, they didn't have another team this what, year. Why well. is that, bro? Because of how bad COVID has affected their country. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's um, that's so unfortunate for them. Far, that's sad, yeah. man. That's one of the yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they are the current champs. I bet they all these other teams are happy. They're not there. Yeah. Yeah, even the All Blacks are happy. Yeah. Mm. But like you know, Spin the way the All Blacks played on last weekend, well, South Africa would have like taken them Man, to the cleaners. That's right, bro. I mean, the All Blacks look a bit small, eh, bro? Last week, <laughs> you know, on the field, I was like, you know, compared to the Fijians, like sharks. These guys look a bit small. They are, they are, yeah. and I don't know, like whether for speed or for yeah. fitness, but they they really are. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, because they just look like they were pushed around, eh, bro? You know. They were bullied. They were bullied, <laughs> man. They were bullied. I say, am I looking at this They were right? bullied, yeah. yeah. Because normally you're used to seeing the All Blacks as like real big. Yeah, intimidating yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah, like people like Jerome Kaino, Martin Mondo, yeah. you know, yeah, like, like solid. Yeah, solid like people you don't want to mess with. No. But it's a bit different, eh? Yeah. Like they got, the, the build is generally smaller. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe because probably the Fijians are a bit taller and pretty... Even the backs look like a bit of like... The, it's full of back or forward or <laughs> Do you know that's always the case of Pacific Island teams? <laughs> Don't know who's you, the back end. You never know who's the back end, who's the forward. <laughs> All these Palagi teams are All like, just what big. What the hell? <laughs> All it's, just big. Look at that wing. <laughs> Especially Jonah, he would have really intimidated everyone. Yeah, eh? yeah. <laughs> it's like one big house running at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my friends um, said he used to play against Jonah in high school. 
And he said, and even high school is. Yeah, he said, when Jonah got the ball, there's no point in trying to chase Jonah. <laughs> they just all just turned to their back flag yeah. and raced to try and get there before Jonah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how crazy. There's no point trying to chase him. Just go for the back flag and hope you get yeah. there before him. You know, a small fella who I've seen at least tackle Jonah was uh, Gregan. I was just about to say that. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah. man, I saw this small yeah. fellow just holding on. For, yeah. for just, dear yeah. life, but yeah, yeah. tenacity. And he had some kind of technique, technique as well. Yeah. 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 For a small guy, yeah. he was like, fire out. Man, Grieger was awesome. Oh, bro, hey. he was a very... He used to piss me man. off, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's everywhere. Like a and his mouth yeah, was like, mouth, a like all the time. Yeah, man. the like, mouth was... He was awesome. <laughs> he was, yeah. yeah. No, it was good. He was a great personality. <laughs> That's right. George he used Gregan. to get on their nerves, eh? On the old get place. on everyone's nerves. <laughs> Jonas was like, "What the hell? I don't know who's near this." He's like, he's like one of those players that you just want somebody like to just really smash properly, <laughs> you know? But he's so good, yeah, it would never happen. Never get it, yeah. Yeah. He's like, okay, this game is gonna get smashed, yeah. nah. Yeah. He was um, such a good player. Yeah, he was amazing, brother. Far out. He's a. I heard that because um, you know there was that uh, famous rivalry between him and Justin Marshall, you know, through that era. But I heard that um, you know, like, um, sort of off off the field, um, like when whenever they're over in each other's countries, they'd have like a barbecue on Sunday. Yeah. Apple free, bro. Yeah. It's a bit awkward in this. It's well, I have to feel it right now. But where there's a will. <laughs> Where there's red wine, there's oh, a there's red wine. Cheers, Cheers brother. my brother. Do you Malo, like the Pinot? Malo taco. Oh, brother. I love the request because I always ask everybody what their request is, and when you say Pinot Noir, it's like it has to be Central Otago. Sweet brother, tastes so good, man. No, oh, I love your setup here, my bro. So Thank you, many, bro. How many interviews you've done? You are number. You are number twenty. Five, man. It's one of them I couldn't broadcast. <laughs> You're number twenty. Twenty. Yeah. Far out. Yeah. So you started last year? I started end of last year, yeah, December. Yeah. yeah. At first it was like one a week. Yeah. But then as you can see, because it's like set up in the garage around my family as well. Yeah. Um, we decided to drop it back to like one every sort of two weeks. Yeah. Just to sort of take the stress off us. Fair enough. You know, like bro, setting yeah. everything up and stuff. And with your friends, yeah. Yeah. That's a good setup, Oh, it's pretty simple, really. Yeah, yeah. No, this, yeah. and then now when I look on, online, it looks good, eh? It looks awesome, especially with this background here. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, and alcohol, okay. That's, so. my, that's my father-in-law's um, fridge. Oh, yeah. And, and all, those so wine bottles, borrow? All, those, all those wine bottles, that empty, bro. <laughs> I was like, damn, I better come and check something. That empty, bro. That empty, bro. <laughs> good good uh, look, though. <laughs> The real island stuff. And that, I made that in high school when I was in Form 2. The hakalo, the uh, oh, coconut nice scraper. Yeah. That was my Form 2 uh, uh, handicrafts project. project. Still going, yeah, brother. That's a solid one too, brother. Yeah. Yes. And your, your medals? Uh, various medals. Me and Nora from either CrossFit okay. or running or some of my son's medals there. Awesome. Uh, my son, one of my sons won his cross-country Race, yeah, family medals. Yeah. Are you a long time here? Staying, What's that? Staying in this place? Uh, I've been here a few years. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah my sister and them is the other side. Oh, okay. Waddle Downs, yeah. Oh, okay. I said, man, you guys should have just moved to Hamilton because <laughs> we stayed right up in Titirangi. <laughs> It's actually a long way, yeah. It's a long way, yeah. So, so, so mom stays in the middle in Sandringham, so it's like, okay, we just meet you in Sandringham. Oh, I yeah. see, I see. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's actually but a long way. But they've got a swimming pool, so summertime we're there. <laughs> then my long way. <laughs> Say, okay, we're bringing the kids. <laughs> Darren, yes, it's been a real pleasure having yes, you on the Thank podcast. You so much, Thank you so bro. much for coming. Thank you for um, this treasure. You're welcome, bro. Um, this is out for sale, isn't it? Yes, yes. So, that's so where in, can people find this? That's in uh, Unity Bookstore. Unity Bookstore. And, and uh, yeah, in Coverball Media. Uh, media.com. We'll online. sell it. Yeah, so they can order it online. Awesome, well. man. I'm really looking forward to reading this. Yes, thanks. Brother, brother, thank you so much for stopping by. Yes, sir. And, um, thank you, bro. With all my heart, man, like, I really hope that um, the pandemic settles down in Fiji yes, as well. Thank you, my bro. I yeah. hope so too. Because anything that affects Fiji affects us, man. Yes, sir. Definitely, man. And yeah. Thank you, bro. Thanks for the support. Naka, bro. All good, brother. Yeah. Peace, brother. Peace. Peace. It's in that mic called Mike. Yeah. Garage drinks with Mike.